Hello, hello. Welcome back to the Tetracast. We are on a new episode, uh, episode 318 on September 30th, 2023. Uh, recording. Um, I am your host for this week. Uh, Josh Torres, uh, your usual host, Brian Vitali, is out. Uh, and but we do have a, a lighter crew than usual today, but that's fine. Uh, James Galuzio, another nor- uh, you know, normal uh, member here, is out as well because he's been traveling. He traveled to Tokyo Game Show. It was his first Tokyo Game Show person. And then he was recently traveling back uh, from Tokyo Game Show to the U.S. because he's like had like a mini vacation after it and uh, enjoyed Japan. Uh, so that's all good. So now I have uh, Adam Vitali. Hello. I, I forgot your name for like a split second. I was like, oh my you God, just said my name? last name like two <laughs> seconds ago. <laughs> and I also have Chao Minwu. How's it going? Uh, so, uh, you know, we don't have like a lot of like big, big news like hitters this week. We're still coming off from Tokyo Game Show. Uh, a lot happened there and we discussed the bulk of it uh, last weekend. So, but we do have, you know, like, quite a bit of games came out this week. Uh, and especially once, you know, the RPG space uh, for sure. Uh, this week we'll be mainly talking about uh, two recent action RPGs uh, that came out this week. It'll be. Fate Samurai Remnant and Infinity Strash Dragon Quest: The Adventure of Dai. Um, so yeah, we're just gonna get uh, right into it. Uh, I, I guess the uh, the main game uh, this week that kind of uh, been popping up on everyone's like like I've seen people uh, get this game that are normally not into Fate, but Fate Samurai Remnant. It came out. It got pretty positive reviews across the board for outlets. Uh, Josh Tolentino. Uh, for us, uh, gave it an eight, uh, and then him and I have been uh, working on some guides on it. I know that uh, Cullen and Kite from our site have also received uh, codes that have been enjoying it as well. Uh, Cullen's not usually uh, a person who's into Fate, and he's been enjoying it. And then Kite, you know, he likes uh, Koei Tecmo games. Also knows a bit of Fate, and he's been. The, Ka- he Kite, said uh, he said it was his game of the year. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, and then in the staff chat, yeah, Kite is like, yeah, it's already my personal game of the year. I'm like, holy crap! And like, I will that's, admit, that's cool. like, I don't really know anything about Fate. I watched like three episodes of Fate Zero, and I was kind of like, I didn't hate it. I was just kind of like, eh, whatever. And you, uh, you dropped it before it got good, but you followed the free episode rule. If it doesn't hook you in free episodes, you drop the show. Yeah, that's, but I, I from covering games and through osmosis, I broadly know, you know, the Master Servant, Holy Grail world holy grail war thing but i actually did end up buying fate samurai remnant partially because of the good reviews you know pretty high up there pretty solid reviews and also uh i understand this game will probably have some fan service for longtime franchise fans but it also seems well situated for newcomers like me so like hey i know this is apparently like kind of a separate timeline separate spin-off you know, with the same rules, same kind of structure. So yeah, let me give it a shot. This seems like as good a place as any to jump in. I uh, have not actually started yet. Yeah, so I, I've, uh, I don't know if like, I don't know how many hours uh, our reviewer uh, put into it, but I, I put some time into it. I pretty much, this is a game that has multiple endings. I got all of its endings and then put 100% into them. Like I, I spent well over 40 hours of this game, just kind of going through it and completing what there is and I, I really really enjoyed it like not even just as a like fan of fate but also just as a general like uh, i like action rpgs and, is it uh, is it bad when i hear you say 40 hours and i'm like oh that's not too long it's my baby it's, it's like it's like for like people who like 
play a lot of RPG, the RPG space. Oh, yeah, space, yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah it's, at least it's not 100 hours. So yeah, that looks that sounds great. <laughs> yeah, I, and that sounds great to me. I've been used to playing over 100 hour RPGs. Including... So maybe, yeah, before I, I go on, like you know, Chow, you, you've been you've been playing this as well here, right? Yeah, I did, but yeah, I'll, I'll be the complete scum. I'm just <laughs> having it on my PS5 because my friend bought it. <laughs> Oh wait! So wait! So you're wait, you, you bought it because about, you you never what? heard of the PlayStation sharing system where someone oh buys okay it, oh okay you can so play whatever so games they own. Bought it. Okay. Well, I mean, no. Steam has that too, like family sharing. Yeah. Yeah, but but the thing is that and you if you use that feature in Steam, if someone plays the game while the other guy's online, it'll yeah, kick the guy out. Right. But there's no limitations on on PlayStation. So <laughs> I've heard about PlayStation sharing in a while because I, I I like people used to do it a lot like several years back like when I was like PS3 PS4 I didn't really, really hear much about it until yeah you can only share with one extra person but there's no limitations right that's it okay that's what those that, that's the limitation I wasn't aware of this yeah uh, there used to be a limitation that didn't have that uh, up to one person it used to be like quite a few people it used to be up to five yeah but now it's just down to one so you just kind of Use it on your backup console, but most people don't use it on the backup console. They usually share with their most trusted friend. Usually, that's how it goes nowadays, right? Okay, so yeah, so uh, where are you at, Chow? What do you think of it so far? Mm, I, I'm still trying to get this. Is this a good Muso or is this a bad Muso? Okay, <laughs> so, here, so, well, so here we like, go. It seems uh, like it's one of those Omega Force games that is sort of Muso, but actually incorporates some not only like more traditional RPG components but also components from the franchise well like, once again everyone has a different definition of muso and for chow here i think your definition of muso chow is as if the game has a light attack strings into heavy attack finishers and it's a, a lot muso. of mobs that's a yeah, muso okay. game, right? oh yeah it has a lot of people on the battlefield and but the thing is uh if it has a lot of other systems like okay so for my opinion is that i treat persona 5 strikers is a good muso game but I treat like certain things like was it Gundam the Nest the Warriors or whatever that one's called. That was guard God, that was garbage. I I, I was bored out of my mind. I couldn't even get past like five levels. Well, uh, my so, point yeah. was it seems like more recent games from Omega Force. It seems like maybe five ten years ago they would do spinoffs like the Dragon Quest games. That was them, right? Yes. Uh, where the, the, it was the, pretty the... clearly just like the same Dynasty Warriors, but in a Dragon Quest skin in that case. Yeah, like um, Dragon Quest Heroes, I believe. Right, right, but it seems like more recently, I played Strikers, I have not played Three Hopes, Fire Emblem, um, and now this, it seems like these games are a little bit less just Dynasty Warriors in a different skin, but actually like taking components from whatever franchise they're you know taking, whether it's Fire Emblem or Persona, or in this case, Fate, and incorporating those like some series components or rules or structure into the game and making it a little bit more unique more than just like a clone or a skin yeah uh, because because you know i kind of see it yeah because people how usually like you know most people when they i actually, actually i don't know most people but when people hear muso like so some people treat it like chow it's like if it controls like a muso it has a lot of enemies on screen it's a muso but for you know but usually even Let's say the Japanese like that like definition of what they classify as a warrior title from like Omega Force, right? Like that would be something that has those controls, but it's also more of the context of what you're doing it in. Like it like wide open battlefields and like the main 
objective is after fighting through like thousands of enemies on the battlefield is to capturing outposts and completing objectives on this wide open map uh to uh, to eventually like you know co- like defeat the enemy general or commander or so forth that's like the kind of classic muso genre as defined by dynasty warriors samurai warriors and all that stuff it's not just how the game controls so in the, in that sense there's a, a departure from it like persona 5 strikers where it actually it's not that's not the the way you progress through the game this is very much narrative driven character driven you're going through towns visiting new locations and there's an actual like deeper story um you know as you're going through the events of the game it's very much bound to like story progression unlike say like something like like old dynasty warriors and samurai warriors games where you kind of have this cutscene, but you're it's basically going from stage to stage to stage or you're basically going uh, to like i haven't played all of these games but i know like the first hyrule warriors was practically mm-hmm. that too you yes, know, just, yes you know there wasn't really a story i mean sure there were some cutscenes, but it was pretty much just the open world maps defeating thousands of bokoblins or whatever they were yes. uh, and you know didn't really it was like i said it felt just like a dynasty warriors game so yeah. so, so it's always it's always, it's always i always try to like try some lines here because people are always like i don't know why the term muso has such like a weird negative connotative connotation for some people i just don't uh, like, i for, think i think it's just like it's just not i don't know like i, I was talking to a friend of mine who writes a lot of guides and mm-hmm. he he wrote the trails to reverie guide and some other stuff and he said he was I think he was supposed to do a guide for this game, but he was like bored out of his mind playing it or something. So I'm guessing like Muso's not for everyone. It's maybe because of the enemy's pattern. I don't know. I think like, I don't know. I, I feel like when I was playing Gundam Muso back in the day, I feel the thing that turned me off from it was just like how your character abilities don't feel really cool. And then it's just like... Or for me, like I, just... uh, like that I say where Gundam 2 and 3, I really like those games a lot. But then again, I'm also a person that plays Dynasty Warriors games and Samurai Warriors games. I consider like oh, wait, Dynasty wait, wait, Warriors to, like one of my favorites, you know? So it's just it's just it's just for different people, right? But I gotta say though, despite I keep saying that I hate Muso games, I do like Sango Basara. I don't know why, but Capcom when they make Sango Basara, I was just in love with the game for some reason. Mm-hmm. So there's okay. something that clicks in a Muso game for me and something that does not click when Koei makes it for some reason. I don't, yeah. I don't know if you get what I'm saying, but yeah, I, yeah, I can, I, I can see, you know, like definitely Sengoku Basara is definitely more over the top. It's more impact. It's more. It's very flashy and showy and a lot of spectacle. I, I think that that might be the reason. It's because it's meant to be over the top because these guys are just bowing down like for thousands of soldiers, and it's like if it doesn't look over the top, it just feels like you're being like mindlessly playing the game. And I, 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 like for for me, like like with Fate Samurai Remnant, I, I don't really. Yeah, okay, sorry to interrupt, but like yeah. for for someone who's actually completed the game, yeah. so what sets Fate Samurai Remnant like apart from Dynasty Warriors t- style? Like, what does it add in terms of you know its progression? How does it how does it use the master servant kind of architecture and so on? Yeah, yeah. So so like I'll, I'll, there's a lot of like accompanying systems that uh, did like distinguish it. Sure, you have your standard light attack strings into heavy attack finishers you mainly control this uh dude named miyamoto yori and as you're going through the game you learn new sword stances and each of these sword stances have different move sets entirely new abilities and different specializations let's say like earth stance for example that is, that has the unique ability to auto block incoming attacks normally you can't guard you can only da- dash or dodge 
Uh, there's well, the water stance. The, the well, yeah, let, let me let me let me explain first. <laughs> so with Earth stance, uh, it has like a like a this uh, fortification circular gauge, and like any incoming attacks that you do, you auto block it. It'll take out this fortification gauge, and then after that's depleted, you'll, you'll start taking damage normally again. And and this uh this Earth stance has a is a single katana. It's uh it's very it's very impactful with the way it uh. It feels heavy, and it feels, you know, very impactful when you uh, attack enemies with it. So, and then you have uh, one of the, your other starting stances is your water stance, and this is a dual katana stance, and it's very much for big crowds. It's very agile. It's like kind of, you know, free flowing like water, you know, so to speak. So it's very, it's it's definitely your more agile um, style if you want to get around the uh, battlefield quickly and kind of do crowd control uh, with it. Once again, uh, different move set, different abilities. And both of these stances have their own skill trees as well. Apart from Iori's like main skill tree, you have like branches that go out of that skill tree that uh, specialize in the different stances, so you can enhance, you know, the the abilities that uh, you do in that stance. Um, and then you unlock other stances uh, in the game that have their own specializations. Like one stance later on, for example, it uh, attacks faster and deals more damage the lower HP that you have. And you know, once again, very uh, comes to be unique. On top of that, you you have these uh, magic gems, that, like you do in Fate, where you kind of consume these gems to either uh, give you buffs or cast magic spells, which is very you know intrinsic to the the Fate franchise. Like a lot of characters there, uh, you know, have that sort of uh, specialization for them. On top of words? so uh, so on top of that. Um, you for Fate Samurai Remnant, uh, since you're playing Iori, like he's a master uh, in this Holy Grail War or the Waxing Moon Ritual, rather. Um, you have a servant uh, saber, and you you know you're usually side by side uh, playing together with uh, saber, and you can uh, use these uh, affinity skills uh, to call upon saber, and either and these skills will either have Iori and saber attack together for an ability, or will switch over to saber briefly to fire off the, their ability uh using this affinity skill and uh so this will help out you know like say there's like a shield gauge on like a tough enemy like these affinity skills will kind of uh accelerate how fast you take out that shield gauge because it does so much damage um uh, uh, aside from that there's also a separate bar that fills uh, uh, uh from saber's uh portrait icon and with this bar fills like this affinity gauge so to speak you can briefly control Saber. Uh, you can swap over to them, and then you can actually have you know you can uh, have access to everything Saber does. They have their own unique move set, unique skills. You can do their affinity skills as well um, when you're playing them. And and the main distinction, um, aside from that, is that these are pretty much your like the two main characters that you reliably. Uh, play throughout the like most of the game you can play as other master servants briefly through like these side quest sub story chains that got that show them um you know show like parts of like what they've been doing off screen or show or show some background on them and you do control their servant not the master themselves unlike yori uh, and there are other these these uh, these other servants in this vaccine ritual called rogue servants where you can play them briefly as well at the sub story and then you can call upon them like Saber when they kind of join your cause after you um, complete their sub story chains, usually. And, but, the, but 
it's never like it's never like a character select screen in like a Musou game where you pick this character and you go to a stage and clear the battlefield of thousands of soldiers. It's very much most of the time you're controlling a yori and there's never like a character selection screen it's very much all dictated by the plot and the narrative and that's that's very unlike that's not usually what happens in a muso game even persona 5 strikers has you select which phantom thief you want to choose for the stage and that you have a free selection there but this one you're pretty locked into who you can control um 100 of the time uh pretty much and i think that's really fascinating because they're they have a really much uh, uh uh, Omega Force and um, Koei Tecmo type Moon, like pretty much have like a very very clear vision of like we really want players to play as the master most of the time. We really want this to be about uh, Yuri's relationship with Saber and Rory. So we're gonna really lock down like you know what who the focus is on most of the time. And like you know for some people who they'll, they'll wish like I wish I controlled the servant more, yeah, etc. Cetera, et cetera. And like that's very understandable because like you know when you there's very much early on, a very clear power distinction between, like, Iori and controlling any other servant, because servants feel very powerful. This game, they can mow down enemy soldiers and, like, tougher enemies, like, pretty easily, while Iori pretty much, like, like it's pretty much you have to struggle with Iori to kind of work your way. Like, you know, if it's, like, enemy humans, that, like, usually no problem, but if it's, like, monsters and tougher elite monsters, like, you're gonna have to take your time to really strategize how you want to take them out and choose like the proper stances to kind of uh, HPOA and playing safely because things can kill you pretty quickly in this game uh, uh, when you're against tougher enemies and uh, so forth. So and and that's that's a really interesting like distinction you make through gameplay of trying to emphasize just the power gap between a master and a servant uh, in a fate game and and it does it pretty clearly. Pretty concisely, and also in a way that, like, even as like as a newcomer uh, of Fate, like for people who've never been to Fate, like they'll understand that, you know, by playing it inherently. You know what I'm saying? There, there's one thing that kind of confuses me a little bit. It was during like that tutorial where you're fighting that boss. It says that you can only hurt it when it glows blue after evading its attacks or something. I was like, I wasn't really sure what. So, what but, on that. so in that one, normally when you're uh, fighting against like elite enemies or, or enemy servants, usually um, when you try to attack them with a Yori, your, your attacks will bounce uh, and def get deflected automatically. The, after an enemy does an attack, they will like flash like blue-whitish uh, temporarily, and that's when you attack them, that's when your attacks will actually go through and not bounce away. Until you break their shield gauge, and then after you break their shield gauge, you can go to town on them and you'll deal chunks of damage. Uh, to them directly with that shield cage shot. So normally, your attacks will bounce off. You have to wait for the proper time to get your attacks uh, for, for you to connect your attacks. There'll be upgrades throughout the skill tree that'll make that easier um, and, and to get more opportunity windows to deal damage. But that's basically what that tutorial is trying to say. Mm, I see. But like, let's just say if you're using a servant, would you still have to use that same mechanic, or could they just like because they're so no, powerful, no. you could skip yeah, through you, it? You can skip through it. Their attacks don't bounce off; they'll always connect, so they they it won't bounce. But um, I have a kind of a stupid yeah. question, maybe. So sure. is this game fully? Because like when I think of some of these Omega Four spinoffs, they have like story missions and like side missions, kind of like separated. 
mm-hmm. um, almost as like separate modes. Is this game anything like that, or is it all just like one continuous RPG it's, story? It's a, it's one continuous RPG story. There's like no separate modes. It's all yeah, it's all within uh, like a single like you know like it's all within a single mode. It's not it's not separate. So a little at all. bit more like, traditional RPG than this yeah. stage based. So, okay. Yeah, like the, how you access like the, like the side story is basically is like you're on this overworld map map of Edo, Japan. And there'll, there'll be something called like the a town list. So like if you don't want to like use the a cursey to like hover over to the town list, you can like pull up the town list and then you immediately just browse through a menu. Really nice. Um, wish more games had that option. Um, and also the, a digressions list where um, this digressions list will just tell you, hey, these are like the available like sub stories you can go through, and like those will use the, those those so, like. Iori and Saber don't really have digressions at all because you're always playing as them, but the side stories are focused on other participants in this vaccine ritual, whether they be they be like masters and servants who are participating or the other rogue servants who are participating as well. It's there's never like a digression sub story about Iori and Saber because you're always with them in the main thing. So it's kind of actually a nice like way to um flush out more of like events that you didn't like see on screen, like me may have happened off screen and then you can kind of fill in the the gaps um there and so forth so that's cool um i also noticed that uh james galizio has uh, uh joined us uh on this episode of the tetracast nice seeing you james we didn't know if you were uh fired from tokyo game show or not um didn't want to disturb you if you were just resting uh and recovering from your trip yeah i i was definitely um pretty zonked but i wanted to make sure since i wasn't on the uh podcast last week i was able to talk about things uh this week so uh i don't know if i'll be here the, f- the full time if i'll only like uh talk about the stuff i did and then hop out or what but i'll, I'll play it by ear okay okay yeah well, well we'll get to you you know after fate samurai and then yeah i'll we'll, we'll check in on you because we know that you're recovering and so forth so take it I'm, easy I'm just there imagining james is podcasting yeah. from his bed yeah um but um i guess i guess like my overall impressions of fate samurai is like it's it's very impressive it's a really impressive action rpg and a really just like probably like the best fate game in like i don't know outside of the like original how how does this compare to like the marvelous ones it's way better because extella and extella link are your standard like kind of like muso affairs of like it's it's very repetitive and like hey it's an wide open stage you're killing thousands, thousands, thousands upon like enemy troops, and then, you know, it's your, it's like, it's to to me, it's okay. Like I, I'm fighting Muso games. I don't mind the repetitive nature. I know what I'm signing up for. I like Dynasty Warriors, and they're they're mindless fun for me. But you know, there 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 is a inherent like repetitiveness. You're all playing servants there. They're all overpowered as shit, and you know, it, it it's just like a, a fun mindless time, you know, for me. But in this one, this is a really carefully crafted adventure that really tells like a cohesive compelling story like the really the really cool thing about this is like they really make the main cast very like they're all pretty interesting like the the masters and servants and their relationships and you get you get to see that um it's really cool what they do with you game plus also in this game is after you complete the game once it took me about 27 28 hours um that there'll be like new sub story chains uh, for other masters and servants that open up that only in New Game Plus, and it it sounds crazy on paper, but it makes sense on like 
checking in on them on New Game Plus playthrough when you have a full picture of like the events that went on, you'll you'll see like a a, a greater insight on like where they're coming from based on what you saw of them in your first playthrough. And um, th- there's also multiple endings as well. There's like a you know story choices that like kind of give you like a new a new route and a new fa- final chapter, so to speak. And I also like that, like they don't label it. They don't label it as bad, normal, good, true ending. It's pretty much, you know, you got an ending. You, you, it, it's what you make of it. They don't place any labels on like whether it's like a good ending or a true ending, which yeah, is I, I like. I, yeah, I prefer. I appreciate that. Yeah. Otherwise, it just sort of feels like everything is wrong except the true ending. You know. So. Exactly. Yeah. So you know that that's that that's a really cool uh, part of it uh, too. And you know, I don't I don't want to give away. You know, it's a, it's a it's a story that has it's very easy to spoil. You know, uh, so I won't really give away too much of the story. I'll just say like if you're interested in like a good solid action RPG, um, and just are looking for a good time, uh, like you should probably give this game a shot. You don't need to know fate. Uh, to get into it, and that's yeah, a, that's so, like, all. Really one sick. reason why <laughs> I didn't pick up, like for example, the Extella games, because it's yeah. like, oh, these are just these are just fan service games for people who like the anime or the series or whatnot. But it feels like this one has a little bit more to it than just you know callbacks and references. Yes, it feels like it. So, yeah, uh, I, and it's just it's just really good at like balancing like 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 spectacle moments with like kind of um, just kind of a lot of like downtime relaxing moments like it's it's kind of impressive how many towns you visit in this game all throughout Edo Japan it's not like an open world game you go through like you go on overworld map and then you go to a downtown's list and then you go to that town and it's all it's all varied you know like all the locations feel very different they have their own style their own flavor and like it's just fun to like write kind of like run around and like that, like for example, like in each town, you have incentive like a mini achievement system that like you can do or not just like activities you can do around town, like like buy all like the food that you can eat in a shop uh, all around town. Go pet all the dogs and cats in town, and it's like you, it's just like little mini activities that you don't have to do if you don't want to, but if you do, you know it'll give you a little reward that like um, just by just doing like just like goofy shit pretty much, and you'll have like stuff like hey if you um, clean your katana. You know, you'll get like a an experience bonus for the next like eight battles. If you do, if you carve these statues, you'll get experience, and then you can also upgrade like your magecraft workshop, so you can, you know, um, like sell the things you sell, they'll be sold more. You'll you can drive down like market prices. You can, you know, um, get uh, affinity easier, etc. And, and and each of like your this the the servants that like you. Are that you recruit, so it's like Saber first, that like other rogue servants that join you. Like they have their own like little skill trees too, that you can like kind of go go and invest. Like you know what would be good for this servant. Like you know I want to unlock this this stat upgrade, this ability for Saber, uh, and so on. So it's it's a very pretty fully featured action RPG. You're leveling up, you're uh, like kind of almost like decorating your katana, but they have like stat upgrades. So, like you're you're kind of uh, upgrading like you know a little um. The guard, like the mounting guard, um, and then putting decorations on it, and and they all have the, each of these like like decorations you put in your katana, um, all have like stats as well that you can upgrade as well with materials and so forth. So it, it has you know pretty substantial RPG elements uh, on top of it all, and it's just it's just a fun 
a fun ride with really interesting twists and story developments uh, throughout it. So it's been great seeing, you know, uh, people I know who aren't into fate like like get into this and be like, yeah, this is this, there's really something. To this. I've never been into fate, and then this this game's like kind of you know kind of nailing it. And like it, it, the nice thing is like you shouldn't feel compelled to like know more about fate after this game like it's a pretty conclusive thing if this is this the very if this is where you want to stop with fate that's totally fine you know it's like you know what i had my fun you know but th- th- i i don't want to engage with fate and anything else and like that's totally so you're you're, so you're not going to be the gatekeepy type where you're like in order to really understand this you have to watch this and play this, and <laughs> no, play this. absolutely so. not hell no no enjoy it for what it is you know and that, that's that's cool with it as long as you had a fun time that's that's all that really matters, you know. I mean, I'm sure. So I'm sure some people might play this and like want to check out other things. Yeah. But... Yeah. There's, you know, there's a whole bunch of things they they have at their plate if they want to. And for people who've like have been longtime fans of Fate, they will absolutely enjoy this. There's like fun references, callbacks, and like people that you've seen in other Fate works in this game. And and you know, obviously to to some you know extent, there is you know fan service for those people who are already into Fate. And that's you know that's that's great. It's been it was a lot of fun seeing those little winks and nods and be like, wow, they really put us a really stupid reference to Fate Zero in this game. And that's you know what that's crazy, but I love it. <laughs> you know, and that's that's awesome. So yeah, um, Fate Samurai Remnant out now for what like uh, PlayStation, Switch, and Steam, as far as I know. Uh, the one thing is I I, I read about this. The Steam Deck performance on this is really weird because if you set this game on performance on Steam Deck, it'll run like ass. But if you set it on graphics mode, it's supposed to be it's supposed to run really well if you've set it on graphics mode. For whatever reason, <laughs> that doesn't make sense. Yeah, I don't. For whatever reason, that that's fine. I heard like the the Switch on uh, dock, uh the Switch undocked performance is pretty good, but I heard that it gets a bit framey at Switch undocked performance. So that's what I've heard about those versions. And I, I assume the PlayStation versions are fine. I suppose. I heard that I the P- that the place uh, sorry the PC version has a few issues that don't seem to be like super widespread, but enough that Koei Tecmo actually made like a support post for it. Oh where, yeah. Uh, I guess there's two issues. One, like I guess some people playing on PC are having issues with like cutscenes automatically skipping, and also some saving issues. Uh, I don't, it doesn't look like this is affecting everyone. In fact, I think we had several people playing the PC version before release with no issues, including you. But I, I know they actually did post something about the cutscene issue, and I've seen it. So it's, it must be just some certain configuration that is causing it. But otherwise, hopefully they get it ironed out. Okay. All right. So before we go into Infinity Strash, we will... Uh, James, you're tired. You're hungry. Your feet are in his bed. Yeah. Yeah. You got back from Tokyo Game Show not too long ago. You had the time of your life, it sounds like. Tell us about Tokyo Game Show. Um, well, God, where to begin? Uh, first off, um, I it was my first time out of the country, like, at all. My first time, like, outside the U.S. Huge. And my first time in Japan. So, uh... When I first landed, and thank God I landed like uh, two days before TGS, I was able to get my bearings, get the bearings a bit, but it was definitely overwhelming a bit. Like, mm-hmm. and, and that's keeping in mind that's considering the fact that I can read Japanese just fine. So, mm-hmm. 
definitely was uh that, that's that's big like you know like that like they're, they're they're getting better with like having like english signage like you know for like like subways there are not like the train stations there pr- but yeah pretty much all the important signage was in english i will say pretty much yeah. all the important mm-hmm. now now granted maybe that's not actually true and i just didn't notice anything because i was already like reading the stuff in japanese yeah. anyways but um yeah uh so Heading into TGS, uh, knowing that you had already played a bunch of like stuff at uh, PAX, and obviously I'd played stuff at Anime Expo and Summer Game Fest, I wasn't exactly sure. I wasn't exactly sure heading in what I was going to be playing. Because um, for a bit of inside baseball, obviously we put up a preview for Final Fantasy VII uh, Rebirth, I played it, but I didn't actually play it at TGS. I played it like a few days prior to leaving for my trip. But that was a TGS build that they showed. Yeah, that was a TGS build. Uh, But what I mean by that is, Mm -hmm. is that going in, I wasn't sure exactly what I was going to play, what what I was going to focus on, because I just didn't know. Mm -hmm. So the only stuff that I did know that I was going to play heading in was uh, Dragon's Dogma 2, because we had that appointment set up about like a week and a half ahead of time, maybe two weeks. And um, I figured I would try and see what was at um, Square Enix's booth and at Sega Atlas's booth and so on. And uh, also last minute, I was able to get an appointment to play some stuff from Level 5, which is huge because, I mean, obviously earlier this year, was it last year, we got all that those like game announcements and updates from level five of all of all uh, companies. That's yeah, I like, think it was earlier this year. Yeah, like February. Like, level five. Yeah, crazy. So yeah, I was excited to finally get a chance to play those. Um, even though level five has English uh, facing PR, they sure as hell didn't make that clear. Uh, so I, <laughs> I scheduled my appointment in Japanese, and then once I got there, I saw that their booth had an overseas. Uh, press uh, reception it's like okay so yeah, that's uh, interesting because they don't they don't they no longer have an official branch here in the in the united states i believe right yeah yeah it was like level five abbey and then like um we don't know the exact details of what went down but there was like a rumor like on like 4chan about some of the stuff that might or might not have happened it mm-hmm. um there in the last couple of years which again 4chan when not just a pinch of salt but like a mountain of salt but from what I've personally heard from folks that did know people at Abbey, I believe that the that what was posted on 4chan was legit an ex-employee. But again, mm. more than a pinch of salt, all that sort of thing. But anyways, I I guess to start with level five, uh Deca Police uh was one of those games where like looking at the footage that they had shown off in the trailers that I was excited to see what it was because those trailers as interesting as they were, were kind of like all over the place and it was hard to kind of get a real gauge for what the game was. Uh, Funnily enough, actually playing it in person, even those uh, trailers weren't entirely accurate because in the brief time since this game has been revealed, it has gone from a proper like regular turn-based battle system to an ATB system which is really, really fascinating. <laughs> yeah, you you were say, you were talking about it uh, with us like internally, like it, like 
it, it just it just it seemed to like catch you off guard and i guess all of us off guard because from the footage it did look like a turn-based but to hear it's atb it's like huh they're they're really going for something here yeah yeah and i do know like uh um i'll just say that it's of the games i played um there are other games i probably enjoyed a bit more like dragon's dogma 2 uh some of the like uh, East Tens demo, I had a lot of a lot of fun with, but I, definitely the demo of the show in the sense that this was something that you could only play at TGS, and the excitement that I had heading in versus like coming off of that demo. Uh, Deck of Police is definitely the game at TGS for me, and I did notice that some others that were there felt similar um, similarly like uh, excited after playing it. Uh, so I mentioned my preview, obviously everything I played or well, mostly everything I played, uh, there's previews up on the site right now. Uh, I implore you to read the deck of police stuff one, because I'm still very jet lagged and I'm probably not going <laughs> to explain everything I want to explain, but two, because, um, well, just, just to be frank, I please read everything I wrote. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, you know. So yeah, Deck of Police. Uh, it's uh, like I said in the preview article. Um, I'm assuming that you pause this and quickly read Deck of Police, so I don't have to go over every little thing. <laughs> um, so it's it's a game that the way I described it is, is that sometimes there's games where they try to be so many different things at once that they kind of collapse in on themselves uh -huh. and they're just like a mess. Which is sort of funny because Level Five has done that before. Yeah, I didn't want to say it in my preview, but I, but there was definitely a, a context of this is one of those things that level five in particular has fallen into. Uh, so Deck of Police is definitely one of those games that tries to be a lot. And at least going off the demo, I think that it's on to something and it's I, I'm really excited for more. Uh, so it's one half like ATB RPG. The battle system is very interesting, but we only saw a brief uh, look at it because what we played well, what I played at TGS was a slice of the game that I believe was like the second case um, and I don't know how many cases there are but I'm assuming the first one is like a proper tutorial so this was maybe the first real one or like the second real one if the tutorial one was case zero zero or something either way um so you have the battle system, which I'll go over in a bit. But the main thing that you start off doing is, okay, so uh, you're a cop, but really you're more like a detective because uh, so one of the core conceits of the game is that, oh, you're using this uh, simulation called DECASIM that lets you basically take a look at uh, a perfect copy of uh, the city that the game takes place in and uh, using it to figure out who was behind these different uh, these different crimes. So in this one, you're, it's kind of like a training thing where it's like, okay, so we know that there was a heist at this uh, jewelry uh, jewelry store uh, at X time. So we're going to have you go into a slice of the uh, Decasim like right before this, so you can try and figure out who was exactly responsible and to basically. Yeah. Um, you get in. First things first, you're at the jewelry store. You have to talk with all the different NPCs there. And I've seen some people already that uh, 
keep in mind the demo build they had was entirely in Japanese. I know there was some Western press there that also managed to play it, uh, but they did not speak Japanese. So that that was an instantly one of those things where if I wasn't able to understand this, I would not have enjoyed it nearly as much mm-hmm. because it's very much a case where, okay, so you're setting, you're setting up, okay, here's the different characters here. Here's what they're currently doing right before the burglary hap- um, the uh, burglary happens and uh, whatnot. Okay. Now the burglary tap, uh, yeah, f- burger. Mm-hmm. God, I'm so burglary. tired. Okay. Uh, burglary. Uh, the robbery. I'll just say robbery. That's easier. <laughs> uh, the robbery. Hap- now. Uh, mm. God. Um, so right before the robbery happens, then the robbery happens, you deal with uh, combat. Talk about that later. And then you have to investigate the crime scene. You have to, uh, you get all of this like info about like what happened. Uh, here's what's changed before and after all those sorts of things. Then once you've apprehended the suspect, uh, it's like, okay, this seems neat, but something seems a little bit off. And uh, it turns out that it was a two-man job. So while there was one guy that was basically acting as a decoy, it's like, well, like right when you first get there, everyone's talking about this one specific um, like piece of jewelry that's really well known at the jewelry store. And it's like in this big, like giant, like display in the back, but the person that robbed it who had a gun and literally there was nothing stopping him literally just grabbed uh, almost worthless gems, still gems nonetheless, but like way less uh, valuable and then just booked it immediately, which made no sense. So turns out that it was essentially a distraction. And one of the other people in the jewelry store uh, made use of that to, uh, um, steal and swap out that one famous piece of jewelry uh, mm. basically undetected. And so you have to like think, okay, so knowing what he did, some of the bits of information about the surroundings, like for example, um, the uh, the police robots are usually there for like security. They, for whatever reason, they weren't working, um, all sorts of things. And so you have all this details and then the game's like, okay, Here's the case board. Here's um, some spots that are already pre-populated, but it's like, okay, there's like three main questions that you need to answer to figure out, okay, who probably did this. Here's all the information you've gathered both before and after and uh, should be enough to help you logically put things together. And you have to like actually slot the right inf- the right evidence into the right slots and then you can check at any time and the game will let you know if, uh, if anything is incorrect, but, or what is like correctly set. And then once you, you've correctly set everything, then you, um, have to do one last kind of like a uh, summary where it's like, okay, so all of this is correct, but, uh, knowing this, uh, here's like some like primary questions about the case and, uh, um, once you answer them all correctly, then you proceed, then you do like you deal with the main perp, then there's the battle with him, which is interesting, has a bunch of different stuff. But it's like really, it's a really interesting gameplay loop where it's like, like I said, it's like one half almost like uh like the investigation segment of like an ace attorney game. And it's like mm. a very and it's almost like a very, very condensed uh I guess kind of similar to like uh, Ace Attorney Invest- Investigations in the way it plays out. 
And then you have like the battles themselves and it's like just really fascinating. So the battles themselves, like I said earlier, they're ATB, uh, but the way it works is that you have a shared like uh, resource for all of your party members that like, like slowly replenishes and every action you can take as a party member well, as each party member can take, has a certain value that's assigned to it. And it requires that much of your like core resource to use. And then the uh, character will, will start like preparing to do that skill. And there's different skills depending on different situations. Like, uh, for example, uh, from the very beginning, the game makes it clear where it's like, hey, so this might be a common misconception, but you're a cop. That doesn't mean that you're supposed to kill them. It means you're supposed to arrest them. The goal, the goal is not to get their HP to zero. The goal is to create an opening where you can arrest them and then arrest them. <laughs> uh, so it's almost like, in a sense, that uh, like weakening a Pokemon almost. Uh, so... For example, in the earlier one, uh, because of this guy's strong will, he's not going to come quietly. So you need to use specific skills that correspond with the color of the shield to break it down and then stun him. And then once he's stunned, you can literally uh, run right up to him, hold down the triangle button, and then you've apprehended them. And I imagine that one of the things can happen is, is that uh, if you're not quick enough, they'll break out of it. But the less HP they have, the longer it will be stunned. Uh, by the way, uh, not only is, an a is it an ATB system, but whenever you're contro controlling a party member, you can actually just walk around with them. Uh, so even if they're like charging a skill, you can like control them and then like move out of the way. Like for okay, example, cool. if like an enemy is like targeting you or something like that. Uh, so it's an interesting little wrinkle there. Uh, so the final encounter of uh, this slice of the game obviously had the stuff I was talking about earlier where it's like there's a shield and whatnot, but there's also like multiple enemies that you have to contend with. Uh, half of the halfway through the battle, the uh, boss will basically just uh, take advantage of uh, something to literally take one of your party members hostage. And once that happens, these types of skills you can use is different because uh, they're in a hostage situation. You can't just shoot because now he has like a gun, like one of your um, party members is now like apprehended and has like a gun pointed up against their head. So you can't do anything rash. So instead of uh, doing skills that are like directly like attacking, instead it's uh, like more like pestering them and like basically trying to get the, um, get the uh, suspect off, like, like, uh, off focus so you so you can take take a this take advantage of the situation to uh rescue your uh, party member before continuing on with the fight uh but yeah overall i i really did not know what to expect from deck of police going in and i do know that there seems to be more outside but i know there's at least going to be some sort of like exploring the city and whatnot it was like a very like closed off like linear section that we got to play but the game mm -hmm. looks great uh i played the ps5 build visually it looks fantastic it ran perfect i wish it was coming to pc but it seems like something where it's like you're not gonna have any pro problems playing on ps5 so whatever um 
but yeah, uh, Deca Police. I was hoping it would be interesting, and it's definitely one of those things where it's like I'm super excited to play more after uh, getting my hands on with the demo. And I guess any comments you guys have for, <laughs> before I continue talking about some other stuff? Oh, I was, um, I, I was, I was also pretty interested in Deca Police. I like the trailers. I like the style. Yeah. Um, I like the music in the trailers. I don't know if you could have yes. heard that on the uh, show floor or whatever, but you know, I, I didn't watch much of the trailers, but from the way that James described to me, this sounds quite like maybe a game of the year contention for next year, maybe. Well, well Steve, it's supposed really, to be this I mean, year, I, I, but who knows? Yeah, yeah. I mean, well, yeah that's, uh, that's a weird thing. Okay, they, okay. they said so, they. I think they officially say 2023, but I think they just said casually to you, "Yeah, maybe not." Yeah, yeah. No, like I like literally the thing I asked after I finished up my demo was so. Just double checking. This is 2023, right? And the person at the booth was like, uh, "Maybe 2024." <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> On paper, yes, but uh, I mean, but, yeah, level five had a weird presence at TGS because like 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 the beginning of this year when they announced all these games are 2023. It's like okay, it's at the end of September, and you're still saying. 2023 on these trailers and there's still no they, they did not provide a single release date for any one of those they have four <laughs> games that are supposed mm -hmm. supposedly coming out this year they have deco police they have level or uh fantasy life they have megaton musashi and inazuma 11 and they're all the only the all only one, 2023 the only one i actually believe will still come out this year is megaton uh, musashi but that's because it's literally a port of a game that already came out like years right. ago <laughs> Yeah, so I don't know. It's, it's a weird one. The level five really needs to. Um, I don't know. Well, they really need to check back in on us before the end of twenty twenty three and see what the status is on these yeah, yeah. Uh, projects. And but, but yeah, while, and while I'm like feeling good about the current state of deck and police, it's wild that like the screenshots that we got earlier this year very clearly showed a game that was a proper turn based RPG. I sit, I sit down to play, and it's like, oh, this is ATB. <laughs> Yeah, so you know, the, the, and, and like I said, like it's a, it's a demo. We don't know how the full game will be. It looks really promising. We hope, I, we hope it is a good game. But you know, it's it's way too early, especially off of the demo, to see. Oh, this might be game of the year. It's like we don't know, man. We don't know what the full release will be like. So we'll see. So yeah, uh, anything else you want to like? Uh, anything that made a strong impression on you at TGS? You know, you, we played a lot of stuff, so you don't have oh, all the time gosh, to like go yeah. through it. So. I, I literally don't have all the time though. Yeah. You didn't. I, I did like briefly skim last week's Tetracast, and you guys didn't talk all too much about what I played or even mention it. I mean, we, we go through like you. Know, you know that you've been going through previews and whatnot, but we, we know that yeah, you probably wanted to like uh, speak about them briefly yeah, at least yeah. uh, too, uh, so we don't um, want to speak for you. Yeah, like we already so, dragged out the show too long last last show. It was three hours and seven minutes, I think. Understandable, understandable. Uh, so I did play Fantasy Life. I not too much to talk about there because mm -hmm. I'm I'm not a Fantasy Life fan. I didn't play the original. Uh, but one thing I did notice, like looking it up, is that there wasn't really any lives on offer in the demo that weren't in the original 3DS game. So I had fun, but it's also like, man, you. you we know there's going to be other lives. Uh, very interesting choice to be like, okay, here's all stuff that was in the 3DS game that came out a decade ago. I, I think they announced like an, a new artist one, and I think there was like one other one they announced too. But other than that, it's like uh, I, I, I know there's a few new lives they 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 showed off, but I'm not not a fantasy life person. I don't know if they're like brand new to the series or or like coming from like older ones. Yeah. But, uh, so that was basically it for level five. They did also have Inazuma 11 playable, but I am a, a dumb American. I don't know anything about, uh, <laughs> you, you, you say football and it's like, oh, right. With, uh, 
with the with linebackers with, with linebackers <laughs> and quarterbacks and uh and uh yeah yeah, yeah. Arizona love is also pretty involved too like like even like the 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 like the action to action like you actually like plan out moves during like the the match as well so yeah i i, I know i have some european friends that really love that series but uh considering <laughs> the time was in fact a bit of a premium cuz uh, again got this appointment literal last minute uh, and the fact that I don't know anything about the series, it's like for, for, for fantasy life, I, I had to cover it because it's like one of those things where it's like people been wanting a proper follow up to that. To that, game. It, it's so, also like that to paint a picture for you. So like, even though you were in like uh, during the business days, it was anything but like a timely. Like you didn't have all the time in the world, even on business days, it was still yeah, pretty yeah. packed from what you heard. Yeah, nowhere near as bad as the public days, of course. But yeah, business days were also very packed. So level five, main two things I well, main, the only things I played were Deck of Police and Fancy Life I. I did also stop by Sega's booth. Uh, mm-hmm. Sega was one of those companies where they, I think they were technically taking appointments, but also it didn't matter because they had priority lines during the business days for press to uh, play some of their demos. So originally we only knew that Persona 5 Tactica was going to be playable there. And since that was the one thing at uh, PAX that uh, Josh was unable to play, I was like, okay, I'll, I'll play that. That would be my main focus. Uh, I, I would have loved to play Persona 3 uh, Reload, but it was one of those things where I was trying to yeah, Josh, pick my battles. Or, yeah, Josh played it and got... So we have a write-up of some impressions. So Yep, exactly. So when I get there, I realize, oh, they're not. It's not just uh, like a dragon, uh, Gaiden, that's playable, but also like a dragon infinite. Well, for like a dragon eight, as that's what it was called over there. Uh, so I was like, okay, well, obviously I'm going to have to play this and uh, write up about it. Uh, it's it's like a dragon game. Uh, they had an interesting demo slide, so it was very clearly pre-made for. The game show where it's like one of your party members is, is literally like you can talk with them and it's like hey do you want to do x y or z i'll just teleport you right there so you can save time because i'm pretty sure the demo itself was time for like 15 minutes or 30 minutes something like that yes yeah, so probably like 20 25 or 30 okay. definitely a bit more than 15 but yeah i had time to do some karaoke i had some time to do the crazy delivery which is a uh, very very funny mini game where it's like okay so so what if uh, Ichiban, since he's in Hawaii, obviously, it's like, and what, what's one thing that the uh, j- um, that uh, the Japanese dev team knows about America? Uh, all of us are lazy and we get food mm-hmm. delivery services. Mm-hmm. So what if he's like an Uber Eats driver, but he's on a bicycle? And uh, what if it's like a very tongue-in-cheek uh, mini game that's in a lot of ways like Crazy Taxi? <laughs> Yeah, and he's like delivering pizza slices, burgers, and like soda or something. Yeah, yeah, all sorts of things. Uh, and then there's like specific uh, thing, like uh, like springs you can find throughout the map that just like have you do like very humorous like jumps across like oh, literally over a sky rise and stuff like that. So that was fun. Uh, all, all the mini games were fun. Uh, one of them was interesting in the sense that it was, I think, the first time I've seen a game be like, hey, so we played Pokemon Snap and we thought it was kind of sick. Uh, so there's like this mini game where you get on this like trolley service in Hawaii and whatnot. It's like, hey, so there's been a lot of real perverts ar- around lately. 
uh, you should take pictures of them so uh, the <laughs> cops can uh, pinpoint their location and arrest them. And so you're going, you're basically just sitting along on this trolley. And as you're like going through this, uh, going through the city, it's just like, like in Pokemon Snap, the pop up sometimes, maybe they're just sitting there and you're getting pictures of them. Uh, very funny. Oh. Uh, All right. Yeah. I'm not but sure how I feel about like, uh, I guess to be, a, be as light with it as possible. I don't know how I, how I feel about how the game is uh, tackling like, uh, Hawaii in general. Um, I'm going to be curious to see how the full game like pans out in that regards, but it's mm -hmm. like one of those things where it's like, it's very much still the same as ever. Uh, I, I really, really hope it doesn't get into some insensitive shit. Cause like as funny as you mean, I was like playing, how like, Hawaiian culture might be portrayed. Yeah. Like cause there was already Hawaiian. some, yeah. Cause there was already some stuff that made me go, Hmm. But mm -hmm. anyways, uh, bow system is neat. Uh, not too much to say other than the fact that, uh, so obviously, Cosmic Kiryu is a party member this time. And the game makes it very clear that, uh, so since he had like style switching in other games, uh, he has different modes that you can choose. And like in the turn-based battle system, that slightly changes how his play, uh, play style works. And uh, using each of those uh, forms, uh, you actually get um, like, like, uh, fill up hype meters for each of those forms. And once all of them are maxed out, uh, Kiryu basically gets a limit break where it's like, okay, you activate this. Hey, you remember how uh, Like a Dragon uh, 7 was a uh, turn-based RPG? Uh, Kiryu doesn't because he, he remembers that he could just punch, go up and punch people in the face. And so you can do that as him for like uh, 15 seconds or so. <laughs> yeah, they showed that. They showed that. I was like, that's a really uh, brilliant way to kind of uh, handle Kiryu of like just like having like a brawler style for him, like to to go call back to like you know the way he usually plays in uh, Yakuza games. Yeah, it's very very funny. Um, the uh, demo section made it so that you always had access to it, mm -hmm. just because it's like well obviously people want to play around with this and yeah. whatnot. Uh, but yeah, uh, like a dragon, uh, infinite wealth is turning out to be really cool. I'm excited to see more. Uh, I also play Persona 5 Tactica. It is a Persona 5 tactical RPG. Wow. Uh, it's kind of hard to <laughs> uh, talk about anything specific about that because um, tactical RPGs at the best of times are kind of hard to preview just because you really want to see what sort of like uh, level layouts and enemy patterns there are later in the game to get a good idea for how yeah. it's going to feel. Uh, the one thing that I did get to... Uh, figure out how that works is that triangle type of attack i forget the exact name i know that there is an english name i'd have to read my preview to because i did look it up um but so basically you have the once more system but also if you down an enemy uh the character that you're controlling that uh, down the enemy uh can do a follow-up attack uh if uh you and at least two other party members. I'm not sure if they're max amount of party members you can have in each stage of three or more, but if you have at least two other party members positioned in like a uh, triangle formation, you can do a follow-up attack with the character that knocked down that enemy. And that enemy, as well as uh, whatever other enemies are within that triangle, will uh, basically an all-out attack. 
so that's interesting. Uh, I do like the way that uh, each character has a slightly different, uh, like slightly different attributes. Uh, for example, if you use like the melee attack as Morgana, uh, the character will kind of be flung in the air and then like uh, back a few spaces, but it's like in an arcing like form. Uh, if you do it with Joker, it'll just knock the um, the enemy back like directly, like a long distance until they hit something, or like, maybe not until they hit something, but maybe that's one of the options. So it's like one of those things where it's like one of them, you can just knock them over other enemy units, but the other one, you can only knock them into it, that sort of thing. Uh, there is a system where if you do not... You, if you like move a character without uh, like engaging with an action or a skill or whatever, uh, that'll charge them up and they'll have different attributes. Uh, the new character, I forget her exact name. Uh, I, I'm, I'm sorry. Uh, it's different in the different languages. It's Arena in English. In Japanese. Oh, yeah. And, yeah. In, in Japanese, it's just like Eri, I think. Yeah. Uh, but uh, yeah, but. So her like charge ability is uh, from uh, cover. She can still knock down uh, enemies with her ranged attack, her like uh, gun. Uh, so that's interesting. Uh, and then there's other like abilities that you get. So it, it's interesting. It's interesting. I'm I'm curious to see how it evolve and how I'll feel about the full game and like whatever like abilities are available to other characters and whatnot. But uh, it 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 seems interesting. I mean, like, Persona has so many different spinoffs. Like, Persona 5 alone has uh, everything that anyone would want except a fighting game at this point. Uh, but i curious to see more. Uh, so that's, Sega. Like I could spend an entire hour talking about Dragon's Dogma 2, so I won't. Yeah, There's just uh, like, you know, you, you did. So let, 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 let's, uh, okay, so you, you got the preview. Let, let, let's talk about your uh, interview with uh, Itsuno and uh hirabayashi like uh so how how is you know talking with them about it because you know we, we, everyone's seen footage of dragon's dogma to people watched capcom you know and it's been crazy you know like it's a lot it's a lot of dragon's dogma 2 is pretty much you know a, a very much like a refinement and very much like the first game uh you know when when they're introducing it they have more more new system to eventually reveal but we want to know like you know you, you got to see itsuno and hirabayashi in person and speak with them about it how was it it was really interesting. It was really interesting. Uh, briefly talking about, like, I guess, Dragon's Dogma 2 itself, the main question I had heading into the interview was about the world design. Because, like, even the original, like, Dragon's Dogma world, I feel like has aged incredibly well in the sense that uh, it feels like it was almost, like, a bit ahead of its time with the way that the overall world layout was set up, mm. where it was very much, like, waymark established. And even though, like, Dark Arisen gave you access to, like, the... Uh, eternal like uh fairy stone where you can just like instantly fast travel between locations the game very much felt like it was designed around the idea of okay so you need to prepare for the trip the trip ahead of time because you don't necessarily know how like what state you're going to be in returning from this so you really need to be careful and uh it's one of those things that i very much appreciate about it in the way the world is designed where it's like okay so you're going to want to keep it, uh, an eye out for waymarks in the environment. And sometimes the pawns will even mention them that way, you know, like, especially when it gets really, really dark at night, like pitch black at night, uh, you need to know which direction you're going to go. Cause like generally 
because of how big the game world is, you're probably going to still be out and about when night falls. And then you're going to be in a very dangerous situation. So you need to know what direction you're going so you can avoid as uh, avoid problems as much as possible. Uh, so all of that stays true for Dragon's Dogma 2 with uh, the addition that the world itself is dense as hell. You know, like all of us up here have played RPGs with forests and i'm saying forests with quotation marks here where it's like okay this is not how an actual forest looks or maybe like you only go through a clearing in the forest uh no dragon's dogma 2 you're in the forest yes there will be sometimes paths through it but the density of the trees and like everything around you is very much real this is probably the first game i've played where there's a forest in it and it feels like a real honest to god forest and not just a video game forest, if that mm-hmm. makes sense. I get your saying. Yeah. Because all video yeah. game forests have a bunch of clearings or very well marked paths. Yeah. And it's like one of those things where the game, and I even asked like it to know about this, where it's like, man, it must have been really difficult to uh, manage like this new density, which they confirmed that was one of the main things they wanted to do with the world design this time, was like really focus on that density while also having like waymarks for characters to be able to keep their bearings. For example, like there might be a statue on a like kind of hill in the middle of the forest. So even like no matter where you're really at in this section of a forest, if you look up, you might be able to spot it and that'll let you know, okay, this is where I generally know it is on the map. That's the direction I want to head, that sort of thing. Um, So yeah, I mean, Dragon's Dogma 2 is... Well, Itsuno said it himself in my interview. Like, I asked him, like, it's kind of surprising, like, how much of the original game was preserved and what I got to play. And uh, Itsuno just straight up said that uh, one of the things the dev team has been, like, actively trying to do with Dragon's Dogma 2 is it's more of a, like, a reimagining and a, a refinement of the original Dragon's Dogma. Mm-hmm. So if you've played Dragon's Dogma 1, you already know what to expect of Dragon Dogma 2. There are some slight changes. Uh, one like mechanical change I noticed is that in uh, Dragon Dogma 1, the way that gear enhancement worked is that if you had the uh, necessary materials to get the, the final enhancement, you could just skip all the other enhancements and just immediately max out the weapon. This time around, you have to do it in order. Oh, okay. You can't wow. just skip it. You have to do it in order this time, which <laughs> I'm not sure how I feel about that. But yeah. It's one of those changes that's uh, there. It, it, they definitely try to lead. It definitely feels like they're trying to lead into more like the simulation elements. Oh yeah! Um, oh yeah! Well. Uh, like one of the things I asked about during my interview was the fact that, like, obviously the original Dragon's Dogma, mostly owing to hardware limitations, uh, outside of scripted segments, you would not see enemies in like uh, main towns or cities. You would not see them because there's like a loading zone between the overall world and the actual encampments and whatnot. Uh, no longer a case in Dragon's Dogma 2. It's a proper, real open world. So returning from a quest in one of my playthroughs of the demo, uh, I thought I killed all these goblins. I missed one. I came back to town, talking with an NPC, getting stuff from uh, the quest I cleared. This goblin waltzes into town, and literally every NPC that could fight in that village, like, immediately is just on edge and, like, runs right at it. It's like, we're going to fucking kill you, dog. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I I really, I'm just 
that's like the, the uh, there's like the limit of that. So it's like maybe trying to like lure like big big monsters into town. Okay, so okay, okay, okay. So when I mentioned the goblin situation to Itsuno, he all but like confirmed that you could drag a griffin all the way to a town if you wanted to, and and they will, and and uh, the characters in that town will react. <laughs> Yeah, I, I saw like a few videos, and like one of the things that really, really like opened my eyes about this sequel is, like, usually like when you're a huge creature like a griffin, when they start flying to the air to retreat, in the original you would get like you know you get tossed down automatically. You had, you couldn't go that high up into the air with the with the griffin. While in this one, like there are some gameplay videos that definitely had you stay on the griffin and had you like you could like stay on their back as they're, as they're flying into the nest. So you can see like. Just how big the world was, even from this demo. Like they were even like soaring like over the town, like you know, in in real time. And then just you're just staying on its back until it got back to its nest. So you just got to see like everything, pretty much in the in the world as it's flying by. It's like holy shit, that's insane. You know that that's one of yeah. things that really really blew me away um, with yeah. the footage that people have been recording of it. Yeah, it's very, very interesting. Like again, like they said, this is this game's envisioned as the original Dragon's Dogma, but more. Which uh, normally that would just be somewhat interesting, but considering Dragon's Dogma One's history, that means a lot. Yeah, yeah. I, I'm super curious, and like one of the things that he outright told me is, uh, we want to make sure that we put everything into this one we don't want to have like uh, any lingering regrets and it, wow. you can you can tell that they're really serious about this one and i can't wait can't yeah wait. so you know there's still no date for it no, no hopefully sometime next year but we'll see it's a, it's a big one it's we a big do one. know we do know that uh capcom is for like forecasting a multi-million seller to release before the end of march Okay. Uh, and uh, for, and Monster Hunter was not announced. It is probably not oh. going to be that title for Capcom. It's probably going to be the fall title next year, in my opinion. Which, uh, considering the fact that they had a bunch of press, not just myself, but Upper Press, obviously, I know that uh, that there was a separate like TGS Halo event in San Francisco that Capcom invited people to. Uh, the reason we didn't get invited to that was because we were. I was at TGS, so they were like, well, no reason. We can just have you play it there and then interview if it's known all that. Uh, but yeah, it's probably going to be early next year. I'm, I'm sure it'll be like somewhere around March, February. God, just what we need. Another like long RPG to release in February. God. Well, we'll, we'll see. Ah. They, they, released, they didn't see any release dates. So I won't put words in their mouth. Uh, we'll see what they, what they, what they say. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, uh, like, give, 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 yeah, give us like a, just, uh, just, uh, just a tiny bit run more. Down, yeah, run yeah. Down. I yeah. won't talk too much about East 10 because I'll have, uh, I'm not sure if we're going to do a score review for, because we did import reviews in the past, or if it's just going to be another one of those features that's uh, essentially a review, but for SEO reasons, it's not going to be called a review and it's a feature. Uh, but uh, if anyone doesn't follow my Twitter, uh, we got a review code for East 10 from Falcom. <laughs> yeah, Japanese, like the Japanese branch of Falcom. Yeah, yeah. Uh, well, the only branch. I mean, of yeah, Falcom. the only branch of Falcom. But I mean, like, you know, the like, distinction between like Falcom yeah. themselves and not Nisa with Falcom. Yeah. yeah. 
Uh, basically, I uh, reached out to them at TGS at their booth. Obviously, I did put up a preview of the uh, trial version that was at the show. The game itself is out now. I uh, won't have my PS5 until later today, so I'll start playing that. I could have started on my Switch, and apparently that's a good version, but it's also a thing where it's like, I played the game on PS5 at TGS, it felt, and looked very good. So I'd, I'd, I'd like to play it on PS5, so I will. Um so yeah, you'll have more to say later on that. I'll have more to say it. later. Uh, it was one of those things where uh, if I hadn't gotten a review code, I was obviously going to play it like pretty quick, mm-hmm. pretty soon. Mm-hmm. But uh, there, it's a little different when you get a code from a company because now it's like okay, as soon as I get my PS5, it's like hit the ground running. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, very excited. Uh, kind of terrified because uh, technically I got an early code. I wasn't able to play it until I got until like later today obviously but got it before it came out oh god oh fuck <laughs> i might get Kuro 3 before launch we'll see we, 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 yeah. we, don't even, we don't even know like uh, what their next game is they all they said the the the, the game that they're announcing at their next investor meeting is not east or kuro or, or trails rather or not just well we know that we'll one see. of the games are announcing isn't east or trails but they did also say that they're working towards releasing multiple games in a single year. So I'm, I would not put it past them to also release uh, Kuro three next year. But we'll see. We'll that's see. How, that's ambitious. It's going to be a brand new game, like two brand new games for Kuro. Com- I hope Com- it's not a Enerzanu game. Yeah. <laughs> well, well, Josh, here's here's the thing. I'm thinking. I'm hoping this is what happens. Is that whatever game they release next year that isn't an Easter Trails game is not bloated to hell and back so yeah. they can actually like release it and hopefully have a series they can release on a semi-regular basis that doesn't require like 50 hours set aside just to play it that'd be great that'd be great <laughs> I, I am excited to play uh east 10 again thank you to neon falcon for the review code uh but uh yeah other stuff at tgs i I, I ran into this uh, one game called Witch and Lilies in the indie game section. And uh, before even really pay, like paying too close attention, I was like, is that a Steam Deck? So I was like, okay, <laughs> I'll try this uh, demo on a Steam Deck. And then it turns out it's a, it's a dungeon crawler, a DRPG, as it were. And uh, then later on, after I played it and started writing up previews, uh, well, uh, some impressions of it, I uh, looked up uh, Stromatosoft, which is the developer's website, and it's like, oh, the, the some of the people on this project are actually pretty stacked. Uh, so you have uh, uh, Mago, who did the character designs for Space uh, Space Patrol, uh, Lude Lukel, for the uh, character portraits and whatnot. Uh, the scenario writer is, uh, God, I'm going to butcher his name. One second. Uh, the Corpse Party writer. The Corpse Party and the Death End Request writer is on a scenario for this game. And what I, between that and what I played, it's like, yeah, this is going to be really cool. Uh, it's going to be a day-and-date English release. They had a really cool setup at uh, TGS in the endgame booth area. Uh, it was one of those things where it's like, one of the main reasons I wanted to do TGS wasn't just for the big games, but because of this belief that there's so many developers in Japan that really do want their games to have a global audience. They want to reach out to folks in the West, but sometimes, and this was something I, I assumed before heading to TGS and then after actually having attended, I realized that, yeah, I was on the money. 
there's so many devs that have a, that want to like reach out to the West, but they just don't know how properly. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, so like level five, it's a prime example. They had English speaking PR, but they weren't reaching out to anyone. <laughs> the only reason I got an appointment is because I literally went to their contact form on their corporate website and sent them an email and sent them a message in Japanese, which then got them to respond to me with an email so I could set up my appointment with them in Japanese. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so smaller companies, like obviously uh, like the bigger ones like Sega and Capcom, no issues getting appointments. They're already big companies in the West. They have Western branches with dozens, maybe hundreds of employees, that sort of thing. But smaller companies like Stromatosoft, they're an indie company. Like obviously the people that are on their staff have a lot, like, like between each, like everyone there, there's like decades of experience making games. So it's not like they, yeah, it, I had a lot of fun with this. Uh, I guess I should say if, uh, if you can, if you can't tell from the titles, uh, this is a uh, Yuri focused game. So lesbian relationships which uh normally would just be something where it's like oh is that just a fan service thing but there there's apparently like an actual like gameplay element where it's like okay yeah if these two characters in your party are in a relationship they'll uh, react uh to help each other which is interesting uh so yeah uh what i played of it very briefly again dungeon rpgs maybe not the easiest thing to preview and whatnot but uh what I had a chance to play, it's like, yeah, this is this looks dope. It's probably going to be pretty good. I'm excited to see more. Uh, yeah, I talked about level five. I talked about Sega. I didn't talk about Final Fantasy VII Rebirth, but yeah, we are. They are, they yeah, already are, covered we already so much. Yeah, yeah. 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 if you're if you hands on, go read James's preview and so so on. Like, any final thoughts? Like, just your not even uh, like TGS, just like your general stage of hand, like your general experience, like outside of like work for us obviously uh it was great uh man it was the perfect time to head over there with how fucking weak the yen is right now <laughs> yeah you, you talked about you know getting a lot of stuff for uh, on the down like uh, like very I cheap almost, there i almost bought a uh, i almost bought a switch oled because at like a tax-free shop you could have gotten it for like 230 bucks for a new switch oled oh wow no, uh, I, I'm trying to remember. Like every time you buy something, don't they have to like imprint something into your passport saying that you bought this here? Or something like that? No, they just have to. They do it digitally, where it's like they scan your passport, they check because you get a stamp in your passport to say the length of your stay. Oh, because I was—I remember I was in Japan. They had to like stamp my passport every time I buy something to say, "Oh, this is what." Chow bot, he can't cheat his taxes. <laughs> yeah, I don't. I don't think they stamped mine. Uh, it was very funny heading back uh, through customs in the U.S. and the uh, person that asked me, "So, do you have anything to query?" It's like uh, I bought a Nintendo 3DS, and just instantly her eyes glazed over, and she just kind of waved me through. <laughs> very funny, uh, but yeah, um, I bought so many fucking games. I bought so <laughs> many fucking games. Uh, one that I did buy that I kind of wish I'd bought, like uh, from a different store, was uh, so uh, Surge Concerto. So like Seal No Surge and um, R No Surge. The bundle pack. The, yeah, they got remasters in Japan like a couple years ago, and they're available on Steam. But because it's geo blocked, can't buy the PC version. Uh, 
So I've been looking for like the Vita versions of those games for a while. And I did even look for the Vita versions while I was in Japan. And I found like plenty of copies of Seal No Surge, not too many of Our No Surge. Eventually I found a double pack for uh, the Switch. One second. Yeah, sorry, just my throat because I've been talking so much. Um, so I found a double pack LE with a bunch of extra contents, a bunch of drama C- CDs, a bunch of drama CDs, an art book, all sorts of stuff for like 6,000 yen, which uh, to put in perspective of how bad the currency exchange rate is now, after the uh, discount for tax-free, that was 37 bucks. Uh there was another version of that at a different store that also came with like the uh, Bic Camera Group uh, exclusive tapestry for that. That was like thirty five bucks I could have bought. But either way, I'm I'm glad that I bought it when I was in Japan because it was one of those things that like I'd heard that sometimes you'll find stuff in Akihabara that you just really won't find listed outside of Japan. Maybe you'll find them on Yahoo auctions and whatnot. But uh, yeah, this was one of those things where you can't really find it anywhere else. So the price was good. And also if I hadn't bought it, like when I was there, I wouldn't have been able to find it. And uh, it was just easier to get that double pack. And it's like, okay, these will be better on Switch anyways. So I'm excited to play those finally. Um, I think I was yeah. going to say like my favorite shop when I was in Japan is the Madarake shop, I think it was. I think they have like the best price for used goods. You could buy it like... I... I think that's one of the uh, locations I went to. I think I bought games from seven seven different stores. <laughs> uh, both uh, trader branches in Akihabara. Uh, one from Madarake. Uh, one from Sur- uh, Surugaya. Uh, one from a hard-off, because they had a random copy of uh, Aono Kiseki Evolution, where I literally could not find that fucking game in any other store. Um, so I bought it there. Then I uh, got something from Softmap, a bunch of stuff from Softmap, actually, because there was like a used game section in the Softmap that had some some really good selection, especially when it came to LEs. If I had more space, oh my God, guys. It's, so many LEs, so many mm-hmm, LEs. Mm-hmm. It's Japan in a nutshell. That, yeah. that's, that's usually, like, I, I've seen some people, like, like, when they go to Japan, it's like, yeah, I get a... Yeah, like a spare briefcase whenever I go to Japan because I'm not going to need the space, you know? Yeah, like, yeah. <laughs> I, I had a spare briefcase, but even then, like, I bought, like, over 20 games and, like, a bunch Oof. of them were the LEs. And it's, like, it literally oh, yeah. got to the point where it's, like, okay, yeah, no, I have to stop buying LEs even uh-huh. if I want to. It's, like, as much as it would be great to own a copy of the Send 4 LE for $6, <laughs> I can't. Oh, I, I have that. I have the LE. I bought it for $20, though. Yeah, but that was a different time. Uh, also, yeah. when you're when you're buying it straight from the source, as you will, obviously there's not the markup you get, and then you're also not paying shipping. So yeah. it's like that's what I'm telling myself when I look at my pile of games, where it's like, yeah, I bought a lot, but if I had bought this like in the states for the stuff I could even buy in the states, because like as I said, there was some stuff that. I was not able to find like online listings for like the agent code double pack for the surge concerto and whatnot. But if I bought all this stuff in the States or had it shipped over here would have been 
like close to double the cost, if not more. So there, there's also like that one thing. The what is it? Like the condition of the items in Japan are kept very good. If you're like looking, if you're comparing to the, the stuff over here, you go to a pawn shop that is supposed to be A plus quality for that item. That's like a D rank in Japan. So it's like they kept the stuff so good though that you don't have to worry about their conditions. Yep, yep. And the standards they have is just totally different from what we got here. Yep. I'm not even being biased. It's it's true. Yeah, yeah, I, 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 yeah. yeah I just bought a ton of games. Like off the top of my head, just Zero Now No Kiseki Evolution. Labyrinth for Refrain's uh, Vita version to go with my uh, copy of Labyrinth for Gloria, which very funny, by the way. Saw a limited edition for Gloria PS4 for like 2,500 um, 2, yen. Standard edition for Gloria, where, whenever I found it, was basically going for MSRP. So it's like, hell yeah. Um, there are games like that where the normal edition <laughs> costs more than the limited edition. Yeah, it wasn't uh, about that. It wasn't about that. It was more just like the Vita version for whatever reason is more desirable over there. Mm-hmm. But I don't know. Like I, I was thinking like Witch of the Holly Knight. Uh, if you buy like the limited edition versus the regular edition, the regular edition is actually worth more than the limited editions now. Yeah, I didn't notice that. But, for, some um, stup- for, for some stupid reason. They have different covers, though. Maybe yeah. people prefer the different cover. I don't know. Maybe, yeah. But yeah, a bunch of different games, a bunch of Vita games. Like, just looking at my shelf, it's like... Zero Now no Kiseki, obviously. I bought a copy of uh, Atelier Aisha Plus, because that didn't get a physical in the West. Just wanted to have one to complete the collection. Uh, Miracle Girls Festival. Uh... Hero Must Die, uh, the original version of the remake on Vita. Um, let's see what else. Uh, yeah, a bunch of stuff. Yeah. Uh, I bought a copy of Higurashi. I bought a <laughs> couple. Yeah, because there was like a Vita version of Higurashi. Oh, like, yeah. Oh. It's like uh, 15 bucks, something like that. I was like, okay, I'll buy that. Um, I bought a bunch of Vita limited editions. Uh, Thank you for keeping the Vita alive in 2023. Uh, Vita means life. Uh, I found a copy of the incredibly cursed uh, Vita limited edition for Chaos Child. I don't know, Chow, Josh, if either of you are familiar with Chaos Child. Yeah. Uh, Okay. Okay. Uh, So, Josh, are you familiar with the Vita limited edition of Chaos Child and what it comes with? Uh, Gift boxes. Oh, no. (laughs) Uh, Okay. Interesting. It was was Uh, one that time. Yeah, so no, literally it's one of those things where it comes off like a paper craft sheet and it says, hey, here's some paper craft for you to make of these gift boxes. It's It'll really stand out to you mm. once you finish mm-hmm. the game. And it's like, whoever designed that, you, you're going to hell, but man, you're really fucking funny. <laughs> imagine, imagine being someone that was super excited for Chaos Child in Japan because it's like, you're not going to buy a fucking Xbox One. You have standards. Uh, and then you you have to like watch as uh, that one weird dude at your local game store who actually played it on Xbox One is like giggling his ass off as you're buying the Vita Limited Edition. You're wondering what the hell is this guy's problem is, and then you find out. Hmm. Well, you know, opening your third eye, so to yep. speak. <laughs> well, we're happy, you know, that uh, you're able to talk about, you know, your your uh, overseas trip in Japan uh, doing. Tokyo Game Show and getting a little mini vacation and all that stuff. We're just happy that you know you're home safe and sound 
you should go get your rest, you know? Like, you definitely deserved it. You, you killed it out there. Like, you know, we, we, we couldn't thank you enough for uh, going through everything <laughs> for that. Are you going to do it yeah. again next year? God, if I can. Like, uh, I mean, man, it, it really is insane. Like, getting back from my trip and just, like, ha- like the process of getting back into the U.S. as a U.S. citizen taking, like, five times longer than uh, like entering Japan as like a foreign, like a foreign, like says like from it. It's crazy that somehow I'm getting culture shock from my own goddamn country after (laughs) being in Japan for 10 days. It's bad. It's bad. Nobody heard of my backstory when I went to Japan. I'll tell you, I booked my hotel and I forgot about the times. So I was one day off. So I had to look for a love hotel to stay in. That's well, well, you know, you do what you have to do. Alrighty then, James. I mean, do, do you have any? Uh, are you gonna stick around? Or are you gonna go get some? Rest? I'm probably gonna hop off. I'm probably. All right. Gonna hop off. Yeah. yeah. All right. You have a good have one, a man. Good one, folks. It was yeah. great to have Later. you here. Yeah, thank you. All right. So it was uh, nice hearing from James and his uh, his time at Tokyo Game Show and what he got to check out a little bit of uh, what he got in Japan. Uh, just before we wrap up what we've been playing uh, here, there's another uh, RPG that came out this week, an action RPG also like Fate Samurai Remnant. Uh, Adam and I have been playing Infinity Strash, uh, Dragon Quest, The Adventure of Die. This is the, the the console game project that was part of the multimedia project accompanying the, the new anime adaptation of the Dragon Quest, The Adventure of Die series. Uh, I... Um, I put a review, a review up, a review up for it. Um, I didn't like this game. I and it, that that that's heartbreaking for me because I got into uh, the Adventure of Die with the recent anime adaptation. I really liked it, and man, I this, tell you, man, this uh, there is never a good anime game. This uh, Infinity Strash game, uh, Adam. Well, I want to hear from just, you. What Chow just said there is actually very apt for people who are like <laughs> unfamiliar. It's probably best to think this is not a Dragon Quest game. Mm. It's an anime adaptation. And it basically just has like a Dragon Quest skin. You know, there's a video game adaptation of a, of a new anime adaptation of a manga that came out in like, like 1989. That, yeah. that, was, that was an adaptation of Dragon Quest itself. So it's just like the lineage of this is like, oof, man. But it's best to think of this as an anime RPG rather than a Dragon Quest RPG. It yes. doesn't feel like any other Dragon Quest game. It does feel like a shonen anime game because that's what the anime is. Um, so yeah, I didn't get an early copy, but I bought this and I played it and I beat it uh, in the last couple of days because it's not a very long game. And I agree with you, it's not a good game. And here's why, and I know I'm. this isn't new information to you, Josh, because you re- wrote the review. I guess I should also say that I have not watched the anime, so I'm coming in kind of fresh, just with a very basic understanding. Like most of people playing right. this game, probably. Now, the main thing about this game is that it is, like, like you said in your review, it is basically a series of battles and, quote, cutscenes, but about 80% of the cutscenes are basically take the anime and it's just still shots of the anime. There's like take a bunch of still shots and put like an ugly filter over it and play the black and white one. 
no, it's not black no. and white. It's it's almost like like uh, it's almost like a camera filter or some you know. It's like a, yeah, it's like it's like, it's like yeah, it's like a film grain effect. But, yeah, like, you know, try to make it like look old timey. Like it's like kind of like a sepia and tone. Now, and you basically eighty percent of the game's story is basically still shots like a slideshow from the anime with um, voices. I assume I some of them are just directly taken from the anime. Maybe not, but it's just like take the anime version of this story, just kind of chop it all up. And in between, I don't know, these 15 minute long little slideshows. They're so long. They're they're crazy long. Oh my God. So you, so like literally like at the start of the game, you'll watch like a five minute slideshow and you're like, okay, Oh no, there's another five minute slideshow. Okay. I'll watch that. And Oh, here's another five minute slideshow. Okay. I guess I'll watch this. And then, Oh, here's a battle. And a battle takes, I don't know, a minute, two minutes, not that long. Oh Some of the later God. ones are a little longer, but it's like, all right, oh, here's another slideshow. Oh, and here's finally about like 20%, maybe 15% of the game story will have like a scene that's actually like modeled in the game's engine where you actually have like character models moving and talking like you would expect, but it's not the majority. It's a very thin minority of the game. And that's basically what the game is, is it's sort of just like, take the anime, chop it up, and throw in a battle like here and there. It's like RPG by way of uh, anime arena brawler, sort of. And my prevailing thought when I was playing this game was really, I should just watch the anime. And I'm normally a a person, I'm normally a person where I... I prefer the more interactive components of a, of an an, of an RPG adaptation versus the more passive of just watching an anime. But in this case, the actual gameplay components of Dragon Quest Die, it's they're just not good. It is extremely simple. Um, it's basically these mini arena fighter battles with a very simple action RPG combat system and progression. It's just so thin. And the good thing I will say about this game is that I feel like even through the slideshows and the kind of the poor presentation, I can feel like there's there's some heart to the actual story that it's adapting. It's very shonen. It's very prototypical shonen. So if that's not your thing, then this won't be your thing. But it's you know I can see sort of the some of the heart in the anime, but it's making me just want to watch it versus just play the game. Um, so that's like the best thing I can say about this game is it made me more interested in watching the anime because I feel like that's probably a better way to approach this. What was so, your question, Chow? I was my question is: Is it all slideshow? Do they not have like actual like anime clips from oh, the anime? No, there's no actual animation from the anime. yeah, like the, yeah, for like the, the anime part, theater, there's no video clips of the anime itself. The only things that the only cutscenes that are in motion is the ones using the in-game graphical engine, which is actually really good because like the actual graphical fidelity of itself. Is like a really nice cell shaded approach to it. It's very expressive, very vibrant, very reminiscent of like you know the 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 show itself. But like that, that's huge opportunity. It's just the, yeah, it's not very many of those scenes. It's all, it's also it's also it also has like a weird identity crisis because it always feels like the main story mode is like the secondary mode to like this temple of recollection roguelike mode that's in it, and uh, like it's kind of a weird thing because in this game, like the character progression is very thin. Like there's no equipment system. There's no armor system. There's no, like you get new weapons, you get new armor, you get new costumes throughout the story, but they're all, you know, just appearance only. And the, the only quote unquote equipment you have are these 
uh, cards called bond memories, and these give you like stats, and you can level them up. Um, and and some of them have like um, uh, special effects, like the higher rarity bond memories that you have that you know give some special properties here and there. But uh, enhancing them is uh, locked away in this roguelike yeah, mode it's called in the, the it's Temple Recollection. The story. Yeah. So basically, and again, you said this in your review, you do story battles or cutscenes, like we said. And by cutscenes, I mean slideshows. And then, like, kind of just like literally on the map, separated away from everything else, is like, here's the Temple of Recollection roguelike mode. You kind of like just you remove yourself from the story. You do these roguelike. In the roguelike mode, what it is, is it literally just a series of battles. It's just battle after battle after battle. Yeah, I just and, receive the battles, and then, and then like, that sometimes... allows you to power up those cards that you mentioned, the bond, bond memories, and then you can bring that back into the story mode. And but so, not, but not your progression. Your progression in there, you always start the Temple Recollection run at level one. Yeah, but the cards that you power up are yes kept. But so yeah. what that effectively means is you play the story, and it's like, oh, if you want to power up, go jump into the temple and do a couple of roguelike runs, then jump back into the story. It's just very awkward. Yeah, very like weird. like. The, 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 I don't know how long it took you, but for me, like the 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 main story took like thirteen hours. It, it took me thirteen hours to reach credits. Hours. Yeah, and and then you can and then you know after you beat the game, there's like this challenge mode that unlocks that like it has rematches with bosses that have new attack patterns that are generally tougher. And then there's like new layers to this roguelike mode. And then you're kind of, and then th- that's you know to just power up for these challenge boss uh, mode battles post game. But it's like it's just very, very simple and like not really that interesting. It's like, of, like uh, it, this game doesn't feel like it took four years to develop or whatever it was. Oh, when was it announced? Like two thousand twenty. It's like yeah, yeah. It's something like this like that. game hasn't been, been in development this long. It feels cheap and like, like it's, even, know... it's even more simple than like your typical like what Chow would say Muso, right? It's like it's not even like a separate light and heavy attacks. It's like one very oh. simple light attack string, and then you can delay like the third hit to get get a different finisher on that same attack string then you have like three abilities that you can use that are on a cooldown and like and each of these cooldowns like take like a fucking mini eternity outside of like pop and like martial <laughs> artist mom to like uh recharge um this sounds like a low budget ps2 action game the way you're describing this so it's just it, it, it like it's just it's just deeply like not satisfying to play at all because like for like like the bosses like in, like you memorize the boss attack patterns you dodge appropriately. You pre- you press your your basically your abilities. Then you kind of either perfect guard or dodge uh, attack patterns till you can like pretty much like reliably hit them again because like you can get you can get interrupted out of your basic attack string and and hits hurt and you have limited healing items. So it's just a lot of like a little bit of like hit and run. And then once you finally stagger them, that's when you can actually get like you know reliable attack strings in and then rinse and repeat. And that's kind of the same thing you do for every boss of this game. So it's just one other thing I will say. This is mm-hmm. like the most backhanded compliment I could possibly give this game. Mm-hmm. Is that I kinda like the music. Oh yeah, but right. the music is just I assume that's just from the anime production, you know. Yes. <laughs> so absolutely. Like that really didn't have anything to do with the game. So yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it's just I, I I don't know what else to say about it. that's like pretty much the game in a nutshell. Yeah, yeah, it's just not it's great. Not a, it's a very simple game, and like, like I said, you, you, I I feel like I don't want to just say this is calling a game cheap kind of feels like a lazy yeah uh, argument, but it's like this game just feels so thin. It, it, like you have like you have four party members, and they all play different, have different abilities, 
and like two of them have like job changes because of the plot and you know and generally it's like it's they're all functional i i i enjoy the most the mage because he can accelerate his cooldowns and spells and does a lot of damage so i guess i had fun with the gameplay in the sense that like it mitigated most of like the worst aspects of combat the most that's why I like the character, you know. So when the um, final, when the credits popped up, like the end credits, I actually laughed because they're so. <laughs> me too. Me too. I was like, I oh, that's what that was probably. <laughs> I, I sort of figured that was probably the final boss because, like, okay, this is final boss ish. But then it still, it still kind of caught me off guard. It's literally like, like you fight, you, you fight the final boss, and there's like a 10 second scene where it's like, you did it, yay, credits. And, and, and to be clear, to be clear, this covers up to episode 41. Out of a hundred of the anime animation, so yeah, this leaves oh, like, like, the whole story story. Stuff that's not finished, like yeah, in this, in this adaptation. And like, and like, and yeah, and like, like you know, I, I'm pretty understanding because our production timeline of this game has to coincide the anime production. So obviously, when this game finally finished development on what content it would have, it had to pretty much align on like, okay, what was already shown in the anime at the time. It couldn't, it couldn't, it couldn't be developed as the anime was airing. Like in a sense, like it couldn't because the anime barely got done airing like fall of 2022. And there's no way it's like, oh yeah, time just add the content that was barely revealed in the anime back into it because that would lengthen the development time of this game even more. So like, it just like I understand from that sense, like, hey, you have to like basically have a content cutoff for this game to at least still be relevant when the anime is still somewhat fresh off the heels uh, of it being done, you know. So in that sense, I understand why it ended there, but it just it's just so weirdly abrupt still. Like even knowing the story, it's like, oh wow, that's. They just, it just, it's just a hard cut, right? There's like, no, I did it. Okay, credits. Yeah, it's like, all right, <laughs> great. <laughs> man, this sounds terrible, man. Uh, oh no, bad. man! Like, isn't this based on a manga? Like, isn't I based on a manga before? It's, it's based on a 1989 manga. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so, yeah like, it's like technically, couldn't they already have stories? I mean, yeah, but that's the thing. This, this anime. I mean. This, Based on the new anime adaptation, it is it is it is solely reliant on that new anime adaptation to like uh, promote it pretty much, right? That's why you have still that's why so much of the cutscenes in it are vignettes of still screenshots of the anime because that was the whole that because when the anime adaptation new anime adaptation of Die was announced, it had three multimedia projects: it was this console game project, it was a now end of service mobile game that saw EOS like earlier this year. And like an arcade game, and those are the three multimedia projects. So they were all driven to promote, like you know, the the new anime adaptation. You know, so it's it's like like I said, like this kind of like the the curse of this game. It's like it, because it's so reliant on that anime adaptation production line. It you know it kind of skewers what could have been a stronger game. I much. feel like this is honestly one of Square Enix's worst games in the last in recent memory. Like I haven't played all of them. Like I haven't played all of them, but when I'm thinking of some of Square Enix's maybe lower reviewed, worse worse reception games, like all right, I like Dio Field for what it is. It's not a fantastic game, but I feel like it's got some refreshing elements. I think even Forspoken, which I reviewed and gave a six, there's like you know I kind of like some of the combat things. You know, there's you know there's a few bright spots. Um, Okay. I like some Uh, of the voice of cards games. You know, Harvestella I haven't played, but a lot of people like that. And Valkyrie Elysium even. Valkyrie like, Elysium like, had right. some cool, cool combat, even though I feel like the story premise was very poor. Mm-hmm. And it's just, this game is, like although, like I said, some of the positives I can talk to of this game really had nothing to do with the actual game production. You know, <laughs> like the music. Or the, you know, yeah, the story, right. I feel like I can feel some of the heart there, but that was written a long time ago. 
Um, so yeah, this I feel like this is quite literally in terms of quality, one of the worst products Square Enix has put out in recent memories. In recent well, memories. they put out a lot of bad products. I, I'm thinking like Balan Wonderland. Oh, I guess, yeah, Balan, we're, we're like in the Balan Wonderworld, <laughs> uh, Babylon's Fall tier. So not great company. So yeah, I mean that's. I mean, there's nothing more to say about Infinity Trash, really. I mean, it's it is what it is. I, 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 I'm actually sort of surprised. I kind of expected Infinity Trash to be like an ability or like his ultimate attack. <laughs> I'm like, no, nope, I don't know. That's not a thing, I guess. Not it's yet. not. Yeah, it's not like like I mean, like uh, he uh, die and like the, so yeah, die has like the ability to do the uh, von Strash, yeah. and then yeah. that's I like an ability it to be, like upgraded to the Infinity Strash. Yeah, that's the title, no, you know? it's yeah, not. No, it's just, it's just, it's just yeah. <laughs> what does the Infinity <laughs> refer to? I don't know. So even even like I feel like this like from the get go, even like when you talk about this game, like like I feel like even from the the start of like naming this title is like already bad because the first thing people are like, what the fuck is a Strash? Strash uh, <laughs> is apparently something that's been in the manga you know for 30 yeah, years it's, yeah yeah i know strike plus slash i think but i mean yeah, but I would... for, for, for many people people are gonna be like what the fuck is that and yeah, everyone guessing. made the everyone made the joke that it's infinity's trash yeah than, <laughs> okay. they're, uh, they're not they're not too far off okay well yeah so those are the two uh action rpgs that came out this sounds week. like um, i picked the wrong game to play Play, I mean, play Fate he, Samurai Remnant and not somehow. Yeah, it's oddly enough, Fate seems to be the winner here over uh, Giant Quest. And like we I, even talked, we even like talked a little about like like Steam numbers on on okay. uh, Fate and uh, and uh, Die. You know, and it seems like even 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 compared to like other Square Enix like titles coming to Steam, like this is still for a brand new release that's uh, day and date with the PC release, like yeah, with the other it, platforms. Yeah, it's still going by Steam low. concurrency, it is like one of the worst, lowest Steam concurrencies. For any Square Enix game, it's not not great. And you know, we can't speak to the other how it's performing on consoles. Obviously, it's coming out. It's on. It's on PS. It's, is it on Xbox? Also, I forgot if it's on Xbox. I think so. Yeah. So it's so it's you know we'll see we'll see what they say. I guess whenever they release, uh, if they will comment on this at all at their next. I, I, have, a, I have a feeling they'll just forget about this game as soon as yeah, they possibly yeah. can. Yeah, they're just like, uh, how's the how's the Infinity Strike? Like, mm, what's that? <laughs> I, I feel bad for like the people who are in uh, marketing or social media positions where they're like, oh boy, this game did not review well, but I have yeah, to I'm... promote it. You know, I have to do yeah. tweets. I have to, you know. I mean, you have whatever. to do what you do. Yeah. Like, hey, I will. I will say that the social media thing of them making a, like an image of die out of dice that was cool. So, <laughs> I that think that's really the cool. only <laughs> redeeming features, I guess. Yeah, the, mar- the, 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 the little the little marketing material for that. Uh, there you go, plus five points. Um, so yeah. Uh, <laughs> so some other reviews came out this week. Uh, uh, I believe Scott got his uh, Batman Kaitos one and two HD remaster review out. Uh, seems to like it, you know. he likes yeah. the games for yeah. for, what for what they are, but he felt like the re- some of the remaster things were very odd. Um, yeah, like for example, there's a turbo mode in battle to speed things up but it makes it impossible to like actually play the battle system so if you just do the turbo mode as it is your characters will just stand still because you're not fast enough to like deal the cards or like yeah yeah. he actually made a funny joke like you're standing still but you're standing still very fast Uh, (laughs) uh but so in order to uh compensate for this the game does have like an auto battle that kind of goes alongside the turbo where your characters will use automatic cards 
But apparently they're dumb as a brick where I forget some of them. I've played both these games and I forget some of the mechanics, but I know like if you play like a water card and a fire card in, in the same hand, they just cancel each other out. Yeah, and that's right. Like the oh. auto battle will just do that. Like fire, water. <laughs> it's like, like no, okay, stop thanks. it. Um, and so like, uh, it's he's kind of he was a little bit disappointed in like while these are just extra quality of life things that weren't there originally to begin with anyway, the implementation the implementation of those is strange um, in terms of how they work. And also, um, he said like. Things like the auto battle or the turbo mode in battle should just like turbo mode or turbo speed through like the animations and not like your hand, like when you actually like have to input cards and, you know, that would have been nice. Or if you could toggle it off and on in battle, but you can't. So there's just some weird implementation things there. And also, I guess, I think he played the Switch version and I guess the Switch version performance is weirdly poor considering these are GameCube games. So... Not uh, doesn't kind of kind of sounds familiar to uh, the Tales of Symphonia port, where it's like these. I know the Switch isn't a powerhouse, but these are GameCube games. You should be able to play them or run them well. And apparently, there's just some struggles there. Um, One would think. <laughs> I will probably play these again if they come to PC. Absolutely. I, I, wait, did I say that he played the Switch version? That's the only version. Um, yes. <laughs> I, I, I keep thinking this is Bonnie Namco. They release on everything. Well, not in this case. Um, but I will. I'll probably play these if they come to PC. But as it We're is, crossing our fingers it comes like, to PC. Yeah, as it is, it's just like, yeah. I've already played them. I'm not really interested in playing them again on Switch. So, yeah, they're good games. I I especially like Origin. Um, I don't even know what the I don't even know what the general consensus is. I personally think Origin. I, I think or, I think most people prefer two. I, yeah. I, think I think like two more than better. one. Yeah, I I think one is kind of like. I think you just care about the twist. You don't yeah, really care one has, about like, one has the twist. It is a very good twist. But I won't, yeah. we won't say more. So. Yeah, we won't spoil it. Uh, we also got a review up for uh, Disgaea Seven: uh, Vows of the Virtueless, and that's from what our one of our newest contributors, Junior Miyai. Uh, I believe they're from Japan. So that, that's I, awesome. he lives in Japan. I think he's from America. He's American. Yeah. Okay. Got it. Um, but he lives in Japan now, and he works there. Um, cool. So yeah, his then, review was pretty positive. Yeah, he did not play. He, really he did not play six, so he can't make the direct comparison. Like this is definitively better than six, but it seems like general reception seems to indicate that's the case. Where six was probably one of the lower reviewing Disgaea games, and including our own review, Page wasn't too hot too hot on it either. Uh, but it seems like, generally speaking, that was some growing pains for Disgaea, and seems like this one is more clearly. Uh, fix some of the weird issues that Six had and has just a little bit more of a focus to it. Um, one thing that Junior kind of liked about this guy is seven, besides some of the mechanical tweaks and improvements, was that it's sort of set in like not Japan, like fake Japan, I, th I think, mm. or like a Disgaea version of Japan. And one of the characters is like a super otaku and uh, apparently just like totally misunderstands and mispronounces like Japanese things. As like kind of like a misinformed otaku, uh -huh. and he thought that was sort of funny, especially coming <laughs> from his position as like a foreigner working in Japan. Yeah, um, that's pretty cool, actually. <laughs> so, and it's like she mispronounces words, I guess, like sushi or samurai. Um, nice, <laughs> because she thinks she knows a bunch about it, but she doesn't actually. He thought that was kind of amusing, um, but yeah, he liked it. Um, 
It's coming out I next would week. play this game if I was caught up on the Disguise series, but I am not. I mean, yeah, I don't know if I can uh, play some. I do want to, since people this been getting good word of mouth, even even from like the Japanese audience. So it's like Nippon, Nippon Ichi Software definitely wanted to like make a quick rebound from Disgaea Six. Yeah. So like when like, they announced Disgaea Seven, yeah, when they announced Disgaea Seven, it's like, oh wow, that's very, very Roy. soon. <laughs> yeah. And they so, also yeah. this we talked about this before. It also avoided the weird Switch exclusive I, for seven months or a year, or, or yeah. how long it was. Oh, no, you Sky Six. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and also, before we get into news, you've uh, got your like preliminary, you know, like first edition of the RPGs of 2024 up uh, for people to you know check out what RPGs are coming out so far that we know of. Uh, next year, like what's what's been officially announced, uh, yeah. and so forth. Yeah, so this has become a little bit of a yearly, you know, thing that I do project, I guess. Uh, so after Tokyo Game Show, that's when that's when each year the first quarter of the next year, the following year, in terms of release dates, starts to come into focus in terms of what's coming out in January, February, March timeframe. And so every year. I post basically, here's what's coming out. You get your schedule ready. I guess this take a step back. I This is something I, I update on a, almost a daily basis. And I'm not exaggerating. Every time there's a new release date for a new RPG, I update our release list for RPGs. And I, I post them out onto our Twitter and Facebook pages once a month, basically saying, here's, the, here's what the current schedule looks like. And I find it useful just to kind of keep track of, you know, our review assignments and everything else that we're doing here. You know, obviously it's related, it's only RPGs for us. That's kind of our focus. But now that quarter one, 2024 is coming into focus, like, all right, here's what you can look forward to. So we have the very first RPG that we know of coming out next year is uh, Like a Dragon Infinite Wealth. That's at the end of January. There's a couple of other games coming out in January, like the Ace Attorney Collection, uh, Apollo Justice version. Um, there's Tekken. Uh, there might be a few other things I'm not remembering. Um, but in terms of RPGs, you got like a dragon. And then February is a big month. You have uh, Persona 3 Reload. You have Grand Blue Fantasy Relink. At the end of the month, you have Final Fantasy VII Rebirth. And of course, you have the heavy hitter that everyone's looking forward to, Banisher's Ghosts of New Eden, moving to February, because apparently that's a less crowded month. I'm joking. Yeah, I mean, you can do, <laughs> yeah, we can go jump to that. But that was like one of the new things this uh, this week. We'll get that. We'll get that later. But okay, all right. And then I'm trying to think. Let me pull up. I'm trying to think. March we have Unicorn Overlord. I don't remember. Is there anything else we know of in March yet? I don't know. No, think so. just Unicorn. Yeah. And then April just... we have Auden Chronicles. So yeah, that's yep. so basically starting to get starting to come into form. Obviously, there's plenty of other RPGs that are slated for next year. That we don't really have dates for yet. Um, yeah. Like, well, actually, I don't think it's technically slated for next year, but Dragon's Dogma feels close. But I don't know for sure if that's coming out next year. It seems yeah, like. They're, it, they're, so. Yeah, yeah. We have ones that like uh, a list that's undated twenty twenty four that did like you know when they revealed that's like oh it's coming twenty twenty four. So any that that doesn't have a strict release date in twenty twenty four, but they announced that that's its own separate list from RPGs that might release twenty twenty four, but they haven't officially. Yeah. Put a date on them, yeah. Oh yeah, there, obviously yeah. there's the there's the saga game. There's uh, Trails Through Daybreak, formerly known as Kuro no Kaseki. Uh, Hades two, yeah, Hades two, which is you could argue not really an RPG, sort of an RPG, has builds. Metaphor, Refantasio, 
Mm-hmm. Kind of interesting that we didn't get any sort of update on that at all at Tokyo Game, Tokyo Game Show. I, I think they want to get on the other side of uh, Persona 3 to be loaded before we get more sense. on that. Yeah. So yeah, I mean, there's going to be a shit ton of RPGs uh, next year to look forward to. I mean, it seems like people already feel overwhelmed yeah, uh, when you tweeted it out on social media. Yeah, so... We'll see how it goes. Hopefully we all survive uh, on the other side of that. Mm-hmm. So yeah, so we talked about the games we've been playing with a, a cameo appearance from James. Uh, talked about you know the features that went up on the site, and not to go through like you know, so the the news bits that came out this week. Once again, fairly fairly light compared oh, well, really to really quick, you know, really quick. Yeah, uh, Paige mm-hmm. put a review up for Everhood oh, Eternity I, Edition. Right. So Everhood, as I understand it. And how it's how it appears and how it's been described to me, it's like Undertale with a music slant. Now, apparently, that might be uh, kind of a shallow comparison. There's a little bit more nuance to it than that, but that's how it sort of appears. But um, I guess you like play these battles. It's almost like a guitar hero. It almost looks like the guitar hero, like the neck of the guitar, kind of jumping along the the, the lanes, if you will. And so it kind of has that sort of battle system. And it seems interesting, and each battle is like a, a musical track. And it hmm. seems like it has a really good com- uh, premise, but Paige kind of felt uh, it got old, didn't really come together quite right. She still enjoyed it, but kind of a little bit more mixed than she was anticipating. And kind of feels, she kind of felt like the premise didn't really land. Um, but this is basically, uh, this, this new release is kind of a, a console release for PlayStation and Xbox. When the game re- previously, like two years ago, released on Switch and um, PC, but it seems like it's a otherwise, you know, a pretty fairly well-regarded indie RPG in that space. So she wanted to give it a chance. Didn't like it as much as she wanted to, but still found some bright spots in it. Mm. All right. Yeah. Thank you for reminding me. Yes, Everhood Eternity Edition. A review for that from Payne. All right, uh, first uh, news topic this week. Uh, Sony has come out and finally announced that Horizon Forbidden West uh, is getting a complete edition that's launching uh, for the PlayStation 5 on October 6th and also announced that it'll be coming to PC early next year. So there's not, nothing really um, surprising about this. As you know, with the complete edition with the Horizon game, there'll be a uh, bundling in the Burning Shores DLC and some other bonuses uh, for this like, new release for Horizon Forbidden West. Yeah, so I played Horizon Forbidden West on PS5, and I played the DLC. I think this is pretty well accepted. I think it's a pretty iterative sequel. It does improve on a lot of like the, the more obvious shortcomings of the original game, but it's otherwise more of the same. Hmm. So, you know, if you liked Horizon, the first one, if you played it on PC and you liked it, this one is basically an iterative improvement on it but otherwise if you if that's just not your style of game or if you maybe weren't a huge fan of the original this one is not going to change your mind but i'm interested I think it's nice to see uh, these uh you know these sony games come to pc relatively quickly i guess this will be about two years yeah it's just to see what the um system requirements uh for this will be on pc i don't think they've posted that up yet no so you know yeah very pretty game I see. Yeah. So I imagine, you know, I'm gonna imagine like the the PC version of this will be insane. Um, this is coming with both Steam and Epic Game Store. You know, those uh, storefronts. So yeah. Um, next we have uh, Final Fantasy VII Ever Crisis, uh, mobile game that you uh, just barely came out in early September. Um, that is coming to Steam. 
um, that uh, that they didn't put any data on that. It was like at some ever crisis like live stream event information talking about like future content and all that kind of stuff that released on iOS to Android on September seventh. And yeah, the, all they said, hey, is like it's coming to Steam at some point. Um, people who are uh, already playing the game on mobile, they can uh, share their data, their progress with the PC release on that. Um, so you know, uh, for people, who, I know, uh, I know several people who are interested in this game but didn't want to play it on a phone, so to speak. Mm-hmm. So this is obviously the perfect opportunity for them. Yeah. So if the you know if you if you are were interested, you know the and don't want to play it on the phone, you'll have a, a chance to... I'm interested to see if this will run on um, Steam Deck, if it'll support Steam Deck. So if you, if you wanted a, a bigger phone experience, a bigger, bigger portable experience, I guess. So yeah, but that, that did a, they didn't say much else uh, aside from that. Nope, it was pretty much just, it was pretty much just said in a... Like, I think just a kind of a random live stream and then a tweet, like, it's coming to Steam. Okay. What? And okay. It, that'll have cross-progression. Um, what's up? I have a strange question. Uh-huh. Uh, was it yesterday they have Forspoken? I think they got the FSR free uh, patch thrown oh, into the game. I was wondering if they really got the chance to test the game. Oh, I didn't see even know that was Me neither. I haven't followed well, that. Yet. It's for FSR free. It's for those people that don't have. Uh, a NVIDIA brand graphics card they could play with all this cool stuff, which is like their equivalent of DLSS, so. Well, I have no idea. <laughs> um, next, we have uh, a Steam Nexus trailer for Astra Knights of Vida. Um, the, a public demo for that will be uh, coming uh, to the Steam page from October 9th to October 16th as part of the Steam Nexus. This was the game that was announced recently for PC and mobile that sort of looked like a vanillaware game, like it's a side-scroller action RPG. It looks um, like Dragon's Crown in a way, but I don't. Like well, I the think whole thing. This is like, actually a sequel to another to a Korean mobile game called Dragon's Blaze. I want to say, and in fact, I think mm. its Korean title is still Dragon's Blaze, but the English title they changed it up entirely. I think the reason why they had to change it up because there's a shoot 'em up game called Dragon's. Blaze by uh, uh, was it the Psycho? I don't. I forgot how I mean, to say their name. In either case, Dragon's Blaze is not an incredibly unique name, so that doesn't surprise <laughs> me. Yeah, so for people want to try it out, uh, they'll be able to fairly soon on that Steam Next Fest. Uh, I'm uh, quite curious. I'm I'm interested to try. It. I'm just worried more about the monetization. You know, that's yeah. about it. Um, you know, they they they're saying that you can be. Uh, it supports the gamepad and keyboard and mouse, and that um, the the game can be played on uh, Android devices with uh, crossplay features during uh, Steam Next Fest. So, um, kind of you know make the experience integrated, no matter what device you're playing it on. Uh, there, so I want to check it out too, see what, how the game feels and how it plays and all that sort of stuff. So I'll, I'll look out for it. Um, I forgot to ask: Did you get to try out the Atelier? Uh... A mobile game. No, I'm not, I'm, not, I'm not really interested in it. Um, there are some uh, it, there are some interesting things that I learned about it that I didn't really want to, but like, was, yeah, they were charging six thousand yens for a tenfold. Jesus Christ! Yeah, I heard I heard something about that too. I, I I heard the last thing I heard about that game was like yesterday. There's like there's a there's a in the options menu of the game. There's a shaking setting, and then as you might 
have guessed from a shaking setting. Um, it basically affects like the the boob jiggle physics in that game for the characters. So. They say it's not made for the fan service. Well, there you go. So yeah. Uh, once again, uh, this uh, this feels like the the, the two like the hundredth trailer for this game. Uh, Hexverse has shared an eight minute overview trailer for uh, Lords of the Fallen, which is coming out uh, October thirteenth. Yeah, October thirteenth. But they have been cranking out. Hey, that no one no one can fault them for under promoting this game. They have yeah, put out a lot if of. This, if this game. Uh, doesn't if this game isn't a sales success, you can't blame marketing because they've yes. done a ton. They, they, they have showed up at like every stage event possible. So. Yeah, on top of like other like other preview events, like outside of like just like you know. Yeah, even James played events. it. So yeah. Now this game so. actually looks like visually it looks pretty solid. It's an Unreal Engine Five game. It it it, it looks like it could be good. Now it's really hard to get. The, you know, a feel on like the overall structure and progression and whatnot. But I've said before, this game is interesting because it is from like a brand new studio and this is their first game on an Unreal Engine 5. And so it's interesting. And it's, yeah, it seems like even for people who played this, they're like, yeah, it's pretty solid. So like even like the pre-release like reception to it for people who got hands on are like, yeah, there's something to this. Like it'll be really impressive if they can pull it off like and, and, and have this be their first debut project like that'd be on, on top of like kind of like um using the name of like a game that came out in 2014 except it's like not really related to that game at all yeah it's just you know you know um we'll see. so yeah we'll see how many more trailers do you think they're gonna uh show before um two, the release two more trailers yeah. two more we'll trailers have, like they'll okay. have like a they'll have a launch day trailer oh yeah for and sure they'll probably launch have just one more somehow and accolades trailer well, they'll have that too. There'll be three more. Yeah, they need to do that. That's the, that's after the release, I assume. <laughs> <laughs> Imagine that, just like like a week before. It's like here are the accolades. Here's how much. Uh, no, 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 the, hey, what they do? What they do is that they have an embargo that's about before the game's release, and then they use all like the quotes from the accolades. Oh, oh, yeah. that, that, that is actually something that happens not frequently, but whenever it does happen, it kind of feels a bit scummy. So, like, <laughs> oftentimes games. This is a bit of an aside will have like a preview embargo where all these outlets will basically have like a very limited, you know, here's my first impressions or uh, like on the first set, first hour, first chapter or whatever of the game. And just by nature, previews are usually a bit more positive because, you know, it's like, well, I haven't seen the whole thing. I'm kind of giving it good faith or whatnot. It highlights the best parts of the yeah. game. Yeah, <laughs> and then it's, but then you sometimes get these p publishers or PR, they're like, hey, let's do an Accolade trailer based on all the preview impression and it's like wait a minute that doesn't feel right mm. it's, 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 it's also there's also like the like a weirder like kind of like other side to it too that like i won't say which game this happened to recently but like and when you're going through a game sometimes pr will reach out it's like what do you think of the game so far it's like oh, what yeah. like they want like, like your preliminary yeah, feedback please share with us like, your review ahead of time and it's like, mm, like maybe not yeah so it's, it's sometimes it get pretty weird um next uh thank you chow for being here because honkai star rail version 1.4 adds old weapons testing ground pillars of creation recruitable seal jinglu uh oh god how do you pronounce his name Gu Guinefen, Guinefen. i don't know that's what uh, uh, uh and i think her real name is supposed to be Rear, and that's her fake alias name uh, so all this coming on october 11th 
Does this make any sense to you, Chow? It, it does. I actually okay. watched both live streams. I oh, actually watched oh, the Japanese live stream and I watched the English live stream. Okay, give us uh, give us uh, the, the shorthand what version. What is Topaz and Numbi? Okay. okay, Topaz is an IRS agent, basically. <laughs> She's here to collect debts from planets that owe a lot of money to the I- IPC. But, so is... the way I gathered it is Topaz and Numbi are a pair? Yes, she basically has this pig, which is this warp trotter that can track down money and hunt you down. Oh, okay. And so she so was like the ultimate than pigs, dead collector. Rather than, rather than, it's kind of a folklore thing that pigs can like track you down to truffles, you know, like mm. rare mushrooms. But I guess this one finds debt. Okay, that's kind yes. of silly. That's kind of like her, her her whole thing. And uh, the other one is uh, Jing Lu's been promoted before. She's she's uh, what is it? Uh, Jing Yuan's uh, master. You see, like a short anime trailer where she used to train him, and it ends with with him like landing this killing blow that looks like it killed her. But as the story plays along, she's never dead. They were, I think, they just captured her because she only went thing, insane. Yeah, the only thing I I know from this is like they're they're doing. I guess they're doing a seal rerun because that was like the first banner in the game, and I was like playing it for a little bit. Is it is this new update like an event or a new like story chapter? Um, I think it's just a filler arc, but they okay. had a lot of new content. Like the last patch that just came out, or the current patch that just came out, I actually love this patch. It as I, I think I spent like fifty hours playing that patch because they added this this mode called the Swarm Disaster, which is kind of like the simulated universe on steroids. You can do like millions of damage of all like the custom like things you could do with it, right? Yeah. Because it's just like it's very fun. It's like it's like you had to think outside the box because even whales have trouble beating it, right? Because when whales were playing it, they were like, Oh, I can't fucking beat this. This mode is trash. But it's more like you had to learn how oh, to yeah, you have to learn how to play the game. That's crazy. Yes. Wow. You're forced to learn how to exploit these abilities, these paths, so that your characters could do like millions of damage. Because if that's not a mode you can pay your money. Uh, yeah, because no matter how much you whale, you're not your characters can't do a million damage under normal circumstances, right? So you have to, like, think outside of the box, right? Mm-hmm. And that's what I like about this mode. It makes, like, this one girl, uh, was it King Chu? Or QQ? I think that's what people like to call her for short. Uh, she, she's, like, the gambling girl, right? She used Mahjong things, okay. right? And she actually is, like, super broken in one of the paths you could take in this mode because she can, like... Every time she rolls, you know, her Mahjong tiles, uh, she gets a buff. And you keep rolling, rolling. If you keep, like... If you keep getting bad luck and keep rolling, you get like this, I don't know, like a thousand percent of damage buff. So she'd be like throwing the next hit would do like millions of damage. So it's like a lot of customized abilities you could do with it. It's just crazy okay. on how, how you could play that mode. And I, I want to say in this live stream patch, what makes it really different is like a lot of the live streams in the English side of things, it's just the voice actors just kind of like commentating or you know clowning on the game sometimes well i'm not like clowning but you know like poking fun of certain things joking around uh what they did with this live stream is different is that they kind of followed the japanese live stream in a way where they're pretending to be the character that they're they're in if you get what i'm saying okay they're role-playing they're role-playing the actual characters Hmm. and so now they have the exact script both in english and in japanese so this this version of the live stream we have march 7 being a a vtuber for a bit to promote certain parts of it and then they have like the other characters come in and they start promoting like the new events so this is very different and a lot of people actually prefer this more than this the voice actors doing commentating they prefer their role-playing as the characters commentating what what's happening there okay all right 
changing it up uh, and seeing how it goes. Uh, I respect that. But yeah, I, I okay. think it was a very good live stream. And then they had, you know, the new mode, which is Ethereum Wars, which is like this, they call it like the Pokemon collect characters and use it to battle other uh, teams with it, like a rock, paper, scissors thing. And then the other thing is this other Infinity planar fisher or something it's like a simulated universe with some hacks on so it's like it's meant to be broken or something you know Mm. so i don't know Uh, i'm interested you know it sounds like a really big patch uh but this patch is a bit it's like short i think it's like instead of like you know like most patches is like a month and a half this patch only lasts for like a lot shorter. Yeah, because I of... saw. I this this to me it feels like a biggest nothing burger whatsoever. But I, I feel I saw a lot of like hubbub about most patches last for six weeks, but this one only lasts for five, and people were making like a big deal out of that. <laughs> it's like okay, you got less days to save for gems, and the reason why people, I think the reason why it's cut short is because there's a Chinese holiday around that time, so it's cut short for that reason. Mm, okay. Uh, okay. Uh, that's <laughs> that's yeah. it in a nutshell. Oh, also, it's coming to PlayStation 5 the same day. So, yeah. Right. I think that's why the CLA has to come back so people have have banners for all the characters they missed out on. But they had to wail for all those gems if they want to be on par with PC players. Achilles Legends Untold comes out on November 2nd for PS5, Xbox Series. And PC. Would they have the thing in Greek mythology where they beat up Prem with a dead corpse of a baby? This looks like a, a, a isometric action RPG. It's Is like it? isometric roguelike yeah. Souls-like RPG. And that's their own wording of it. <laughs> so Okay. And it's got procedurally generated dungeons and some sort of AI system that they promote a lot about how the character, how the enemies respond to you. Innovative GAIA AI system. Yeah. I don't know anything oh. about this game other than. Uh, uh, I, we got response on Alien. Twitter about like, who is someone who's very familiar with Greek mythology. Like, this game makes no sense. Like, okay. Uh, I, I'm pretty <laughs> familiar. I'm, I'm familiar with the Iliad and, and whatever happens after that. All There's right, some really so... fucked up shit in, in there. So, well, well, what did the. If you, if you know, Adam, what, what did that present. Uh, Point out anything like why this game why this game is driving them insane. Oh, let me give me a second here. Okay. So I I know very briefly, very vaguely, like the story. I wrote a Trojan horse. Yeah. <laughs> you know. Um, I'm so trying to think what like, else. Uh, my first impression, without any knowledge of the game, if this is based on Achilles, so you'll spend ninety percent of the game in a tent. After the war in Troy, doesn't Achilles die outside the wall of Troy's arrow to the heel? Like okay, I don't yeah. know, I don't know what spending ninety percent of the game in a tent means. But I guess. Well, that's what he did in the in the actual mythology. He was just having a temper tantrum with his, oh, with his from like high school. <laughs> I don't know. Well, uh, and look in 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 the press he says, "Become Achilles, the greatest warrior the ancient world has ever seen." So I don't know. It's 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 challenge this person's word against the press release to promote this game. <laughs> So I don't know who to believe, but that's uh, Achilles Legends Untold. See, it's even said it doesn't that Legends Untold. It doesn't you awesome. even know it yet. No, okay. th- this might actually be the real deal, the, the real story. <laughs> Achilles, uh, the real story. 
Yes. <laughs> free arrow, to to, arrow to the heel. Free to play side scroller action RPG Phantom Blade Executioners uh, launches on November 2nd for PS5, PS4, mobile, and PC. I uh, briefly played like a test of this game on mobile. It's like a side scroller uh, action RPG with kind of like a uh, like a ink painting sort of like art style. Um, it 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 seems pretty nice, but I didn't like like the gotcha system in it because you like you kind of gotcha like these like spirit powers or whatever, and it seemed yeah, kind of stingy. Yeah, it's with, a free to play uh, game. Um, back at the la- the most recent or maybe it was two PlayStation State of Plays ago, they announced an action RPG called Phantom Blade Zero from a Chinese studio called S Game, and I yeah. guess this is the same studio. Um, and this game is called Phantom Blade Executioners, obviously. So there's it's connected somehow to that. The, that Phantom Blade Zero that was shown off was a more, you know, traditional, you know, 3D action RPG, Souls-ish, where this is obviously side-scroller, more artsy. But I guess they're related somehow. Yeah, it's kind of weird. Studio. Like, yeah, the, the, the Phantom Blade Zero, that's it, like, really threw me off guard because, like, I, I don't know much about the studio, but, like, it's like, man, they had these... They're kind of working on these projects side by side, or they have different teams because they're so they're a big enough team to like accommodate it. Because Phantom Blade Zero looks like it looks crazy cool, but like also like it seems like pretty high budget. Yeah, uh, from what they showed, it, it so. looks so cool. But the thing is, I don't know how it would play. Like the way that the blades, like you know, when they cross against other people's blades, you know, it looks like real yeah. fighting. How would that yeah. work in a video game? I'm yeah. very curious, right? I don't know. So. And I, I don't think, yeah, they didn't announce a release date or anything for that game. So who knows? Zero is going to come out. Obviously, Executioners is going to come out first. Uh, hopefully, you know, the, hopefully they had the, the developers ironed out, you know, the things they didn't like about it. But we'll see. We'll see, I guess. But yeah, that is Phantom Blade Executioners. Uh, next, we have, oh, the Fulfilling Promises. Uh, we have Pathfinder right, uh, Wrath of the Righteous, DLC number five. Uh, Lord of Nothing that is coming out on November twenty first, and this is I believe this is not fulfilling a promise because like they 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 were Alcat was saying they're gonna have the the final Pathfinder DLC up before the end of the year. Well, right? this isn't the final one. There's oh, one more. okay. So oh, we need Brian here. The one week he's okay. on. Uh, so Pathfinder, right? Wrath of the Righteous had a season pass and it had three DLCs. Um, I believe like one of them was like a side story and one of them was like a roguelike mode and one of them was an actual continuation of the story. And then they kind of surprisingly at the very start of this year announced they're actually getting uh, like a second season pass with DLCs four, five, and six. So this oh. is DLC five. So there's still one more. And I guess specifically this DLC, DLC five, Lord of Nothing, uh, is actually a follow-up to DLC two, I, the title I forget. And so, oh, so you see, so you need to so to understand this. You need to have already pl- have the previous season pass with DLC yes. two in it. And, and I, I am not, I'm not the right person to talk about like yeah, which yeah. DLCs are like standalone, which ones are you know continuation. But this one is a follow up to an earlier DLC, and it's kind of funny. It's not a follow up to DLC four or three. It's a follow up to two. It's a little silly. I mean, I'm sure Pathfinder fans are all very familiar with what's what, but um. I honestly don't know what the reception of these DLCs are, but it's kind of interesting that they're still supporting this game and it's getting this DLC and they have Rogue Trader coming out in a couple of months. So. Yes. The only thing I know about Pathfinder is they're the most popular guides of all time. Are they? Yeah, they are. 
Like, oh. like even if I hit like you know like several million views for Cold Steel guides, I, I still get beaten by Pathfinder. So, wow. I know these games Thanks. do crazy good on Steam. Like, it has a huge audience. In fact, two years ago when we did our Game of the Year deliberation, um, uh, Brian was the only one who had played Pathfinder. I'm, I've always been interested. I just haven't had time, and. Uh, he felt he actually wasn't a huge fan of Wrath of the Righteous. He was like, I kind of like Kingmaker more in some respects, which was the previous game. So it didn't make our top 10 that year in 2021. And we got a lot of people mad at us because we didn't put it in our top 10. Like, oh, sorry. Yeah, that's how, that's how it goes sometimes, man. Like, sometimes you only have one person who plays a game and, you know, they, they kind of ride or die with what they say. Um, let's see what else we have. Uh, Vampire the Masquerade Swan Song, that's coming out uh, for the Switch, and this is a weird one. So it came out in Europe on September twenty nine, and it's coming to North America on December fifth. Yeah. Now oh. the the publisher is Nacon, who's French, mm -hmm. but I guess for some reason this is not a this publishing is like there's a three month delay for the wow. US version, which is you don't really see that very often these days. But, yeah, there's already out on like all, all a lot of other platforms, yeah. like pretty much everything else. So, I, it's, so this game, this is not Vampire the Masquerade Bloodlines Two. This is Swan no. Song. Vampire the Masquerade is kind of a weird IP because I forget who controls the IP, but they've kind of given that license to a lot of different people to do whatever they want with it. And so there's been a handful of different games. In fact, I saw there was actually a recently announced bundle for. Vampire the Masquerade Shadows of New York and Vampires of Ma Vampire the Masquerade Coteries of New York, which are both like visual novels of you know, a Western visual novel, basically, or adventure game. But anyways, this is like a narrative RPG that came out two years ago or a year and a half ago for almost every platform and PC, uh, Epic Game Store. Then it got a Steam release. And they were, they were planning a Switch release the whole time, but I, I actually didn't realize that it never released until now. Like, oh, it's finally out on Switch. I hear it's it's actually an okay game. Just didn't seem to really have a whole lot of traction. If you like those sort of narrative games, it's from the developer Big Bad Wolf, who made like these sort of episodic games, like The Council, which I heard oh, yeah. sort of good things about. Um, so yeah, it seems like if this is your sort of up your alley, uh, narrative focused dialogue RPG, worth checking out. Now available on Switch. In Europe. In Europe. <laughs> <laughs> um, I oh yeah, this is a. Uh, I was like, didn't we? Did they already? So I was like, oh no, there's there's a, a delay on the embargo on it. Uh, the Legend of Legacy H3 Remastered was announced for PS5, PS4, Switch, and PC, and that is coming early next year. And this is the um, the the game by Catacomb Three, the the one before Alliance the Line. Um, I. In my personal opinion, I see no reason to get this game when there's Alliance Alive. That's kind of like my take of it. Because this yeah, game, it feels like there's no storyline. There there no it's just a saga game. It's, it's, it, even has like, it has like less story than a saga game. It is yeah. like even saga games have more character and story than this one does. So I played the 3DS version. I reviewed it like eight years ago or whenever that was. Um, and it's like the saga systems so it actually has like saga you know dna behind it and obviously is inspired by it and i feel like mechanically it's a solid game 
I feel like it gets a little bit repetitive because it gears itself towards like similar strategies too often. But um, I kind of just feel like there is no story. There is there are no the character building. It is extremely thin. It is a, totally a mechanics focused game. So if you play RPGs for story, do not pick this up. If you liked Alliance Alive because you like the characters, do not pick this up. Uh, if you do like the saga mechanics and exploration and combat and progression, might be worth checking out. I still feel like those were good, but not great. Um, yeah, like the, it's like there's a weird situation because Alliance Live got the HD remaster before this. This and yes. this is kind of like this. Predator, this was like the, yeah, this was the predecessor to that. So it's a stepping stone into what would later be refined in the Alliance Alive. Yeah, um, and I remember this coming out as having mixed reception as well, and people are very split on it. Um, there are some yeah. redeeming qualities. It has a, a soundtrack from uh, was it Masashi oh, uh, Hamasu, yeah, which is the Final Fantasy XIII composer, which is yep. very good. Yeah. So yeah, I, I think it's an interesting game, but once again, that I feel like it, it comes together better in the Alliance. And Alive. depending on when it releases, it's like uh, I don't know if this will be Ooh. this will be worth it compared to whatever else is releasing in early 2024 around it. Yeah. So. Uh, well, I, I don't. Like, I, might it just I might check it out. Where's my Stella Glow PC version? Modern well, image, image of is dead. Yeah, so got to bang Sega somehow. Well, well, I don't know. Mission of Shooting Star, I guess. Okay, uh, as we were uh, talking a little bit about it, it kind of teased it a while ago. Uh, <laughs> uh, Banishers of Ghosts of New Eden, uh, the the new action RPG coming from Don't Not and Focus Entertainment. It was originally coming out on November 7th, but that got pushed back to February 13, 2024, which is, you know, the not, as we already discussed earlier, kind of a crowded period. But according to the CEO of Don't Nod, uh, Oscar Gilbert, and uh, the managing director of Focus Entertainment, uh, John Burt, uh, they provided a joint statement uh, on uh, why they delayed it to February 13th. And in, uh, in their own words, uh, they said that, you know, because uh, since the market is experiencing an intense release cycle of AAA titles uh, on PC and consoles at the end of the year, uh, they're convinced that a commercial release for Banishers uh, Ghost in Union will be, uh, uh, during a less saturated period, will give it the attention it deserves. So, you know, that's what they believe. They believe that February 2024 for RPGs uh, is a less saturated period. Now, to their credit, Yes, in the Western sense, that like there's not a lot of Western RPGs coming out around that time frame, but RPGs in general, I don't know. That's uh, that's uh, that's square yeah, in between. It's sort of amusing coming like literally a week or within a week after I talked about playing Vampire, so I could play this and check it out. You laughed. You laughed at the the the, the delay uh, when yeah, you saw the delay. But um, <laughs> and so yeah, it's just like they say they're delaying it. From November to February, because I think it's like a, a more marketable time slot or like window, release window. Now, yeah, I guess maybe on the Western sensors, maybe not a whole lot releasing early next year, but I still feel like you have to be cognizant that like Persona, Final Fantasy, and even like a dragon are all pretty popular worldwide now. Like they, they're, they're selling and those are all AAA games. Well, Persona, you could maybe argue, I guess. Well, actually, that's actually another component here um, that's actually kind of interesting is, like, they're talking about AAA games. And, like, are they considering Banishers, Ghosts of New Eden as AAA? That's that not really true. what I would. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's, so it's it's Dot Nod, which 
which is a relatively small studio. Let me check. I'm curious if I can find their studio size real quick. And it's being published by Focus Home Entertainment, which is a pretty big European publisher. But I still wouldn't really consider this AAA. Not really. Not really. Yeah. Like, I think when and... I think AAA, I'm thinking like, you know, Ubisoft, Activision, you know, Take Two, those really big companies, or like the, right. like Square Enix or Capcom or Bonnie Namco's like biggest titles. Not like Focus Home Interactive and Dot Nod. Anyways. Um, it looks like their studio is about 300 people, which is about what I expected. That's an average, medium, semi-large studio size, but still. Yeah. So, you know. I will play um, this. I will check it out. It might be good. I talked about this last week. It's just right. that you're kind of sandwiched between Persona, Like a Dragon, Final Fantasy, it's, and Grand it's Blue. Targeting the, it's targeting those people that finish Like a Dragon, Infinite Wealth, uh, Persona 3 Reload, and Grand Blue Lee Link all before February 13th. And they're like, what am I going to play till Final Fantasy VII Rebirth? Yeah. You know? I kind of so. feel like if they needed to delay this game for polishing or whatever, I would think December or January yes. would have been better options. Like mid-January, mid-December, maybe early December. But the, but I, I I think that's probably they're probably looking at the market like like uh, there's a reason like a lot of people don't release around like mid Christmas. to late December and, and like early and early January. It's like usually the market is pretty barren around that time frame, and I assume that's just like due to market like historical data of like yeah. hey things don't sell around that time period, um, and, and that's also usually the time the time period that like for some of us like grumble like oh there's nothing no new releases out until and then January <laughs> what the fuck am I gonna play until then. You know, mm-hmm. um, which you know it, it does happen pretty consistently, and like we kind of on this random on this note, and we were talking about the RPG list um, earlier, and we've talked about this before. We, I, I think we put a decent effort into covering Japanese RPGs and Western RPGs relatively evenly, but the thing mm-hmm. is, is just by like sheer count by volume, there are just significantly more japanese rpgs than western rpgs so it almost almost feels like we unfairly give it a slant when it's like no that's just kind of the reality that's just like observable data yeah (laughs) um so i was actually thinking about so this year in the west like in 2023 we saw Baldur's gate 3 we saw starfield we saw um like the the re-release of cyberpunk yeah and then there were some smaller games like jagged alliance 3 which we covered or miasma chronicles which we covered or some indie stuff like mage it's either mage seeker or mage slayer i forget which we covered all western um and obviously Baldur's gate starfield and cyberpunk being huge but i was thinking like what western rpgs are coming out next year for sure and there's so there's this one vanishers obviously not as big um there is Vampire the Masquerade Bloodlines 2, which I've kind of soured on, which we've talked about because it's you know, all it doesn't have a stellar uh, development history so far. Um, there is a game from the studio from the Australian studio behind Ashen called Flintlock, which we've covered. That's coming out next year. Uh, Obsidian has Avowed coming out next year, which is set in the Pillars of Eternity universe. And those are the main ones I can think of for RPGs, Western RPGs coming out next year. Because, uh, mm-hmm. like, Dragon Age, we still haven't even really seen it. Um, the newest Dragon Age, which has been in development for feels like forever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and it feels like every new update we get of it's like, oh, something really bad yeah, is they just cut off. They just, they just laid off a bunch of people. From yeah. Um, 
and and they also have like this like this weird like almost like almost not like like every half year they kind of like have to like give give like the usual like blog blog post assurance like now we're still working on dragon age don't worry it feels like four years in a row we've gotten like concept art and it's just like we there was actually a leak of showing some of the game like actual game yeah in action and it sort of looks like just from a glance uh almost like a god of war-ish action game i mean that's just what it looks like who knows for sure but we, they still haven't officially shown anything from that game uh, I'm, I'm actually looking at our list for like what other western rpgs are coming out next year oh there's hades early access right. anyways and again that you could argue that's not an rpg because it's sort of not um yeah there's not that many so anyways i was just sort of thinking like this western rpg kind of being slotted up against a bunch of japanese ones it's okay we're still gonna get flack for like well i can't believe jrpg site what the no hell? when you when you give a good score to american rpgs they think we're clowns too so it'll be like alex giving <laughs> phantom liberty a 10 and you're like oh hey, phantom guys. liberty has gotten really good reception yeah, but I, 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 clown I, on Alex for giving a good score. I, I, I guess on a little aside, like I've been, I started Cyberpunk twenty seventy seven for the first time this week, and I've been like, you know, I just, I'm still on the base game content, not a Phantom Liberty yet, but I've been, I've been having a lot of fun with like kind of mm-hmm. just. I, I'm glad that I, I played it now instead of earlier, yeah. you know. Because we, I, I've um, been meaning to play it, but there's just so many things. So. Yeah. Imagine I, if that was a state of the game that came out during twenty twenty one. I think it was. It would have been great. It was fantastic. <laughs> you know. So I mean, yeah. So I'll have more to say once I get to like the DLC content, which is maybe fairly soon, I guess. But yeah, that's been that's been a fun time. Um, so yeah, ending off uh, our news for this episode, we have a uh, Goblin Slayer: Another Adventurer Nightmare Feast comes out on February 29, two thousand twenty four, for good Switch and date. PC. Yeah, very good release date. Nothing else is coming. Very out good release date. Yeah. It's a recent, a less saturated time period, uh, yep. so to speak. Um, so yeah, uh, and that's going to be you know a, a tie-in with the uh, Gob- Goblin Slayer IP, the light novel and um, a- anime. I, I think the second anime season of that is like come, uh, airing fairly soon. And this was a, a an interesting game adaptation. Game adaptation because it's a, a strategy it's a RPG, story. and it's also yeah. like a diff- it's different characters from what I understand. Right, I've seen Goblin yeah. Slayer, but it's like a different. Yeah. They, they literally call it another adventure. Another like adventure. Different yeah. characters. <laughs> and one thing that's sort of interesting about this is it's from Bushiroad, if I'm pronouncing that correctly. Yeah. Who they mo they usually they they've done a lot of like mobile gotcha or like arcade type stuff in the past, but they've recently have been like trying to do more like console or console video games. Like this one, there's a another game that's like from the Harvest or from the Rune Factory devs or like his Rune Factory DNA called like Rear Sakai. Right. Like yeah. Rear Sakai. They also have one. Too. There's another one. Like, like what's it? Uh, for Mushoku Tensei. Yes, yeah. But this one's interesting because this one is coming out in English. Like it's got an English website and everything. There's like no English PR for this. So like I don't, we don't have a lot of details on it. And I even put in the news post here that like it's not 100% confident or confirmed. That this game is releasing in English on February twenty and twenty ninth, we're sort of making an assumption that like the game supports well, English and the game is coming yeah. out on February twenty ninth, but I don't know if that English support is coming at launch or later. Yeah, but... it's like a game released on Steam on February twenty ninth, and it says it'll support English and Japanese yes. language options. So yeah, I so we're sort of would... assuming that it will, but um, yeah, it's uh, if I guess this is obviously a very niche property, I think 
comparatively to other RPGs. But if you're a huge Goblin Slayer fan, this one is for you. Yeah. So yeah, other Bushi Road stuff is like they have a Macross uh, game coming in January, like Shooting Insight. Uh, then we said a Mushoku Tensei Jobless Reincarnation. And none and, of those other games have like English yeah. confirmation. It was just this one for whatever reason. I, no, I, 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 think, I think the Macross Shooting oh, Insight uh, one, yeah, that one has an English release. That, that oh, one's okay. really weird because of the licensing yeah. uh, agreements. They had to like cut out like a portion of the game content of like, uh, like there's a certain macro, like the early Macross had to be like cut out for the English release and like, like re- released as its own separate DLC because of the how the licensing agreement worked in the West because because Macross has been like just recently, very recently, finally like got out of like whatever whoever did the, the robot. Is that the Harmony Gold thing? Harmony Gold. Yeah, yeah, Harmony Gold. Yeah. So, yeah. So it's really, like, really weird. It's it's hilarious too. When you look at the promotion, they got Lin Min Mei in like the Japanese ad in the front, but she's completely like cut out the picture in like the American version. It's yeah. Like, oh man. It's, it's like the whole the whole original uh, thing that is so stupid and bizarre. Uh, but that's uh, that's, that's, that's the whole thing. By now. I mean like I, I can't hate the original Harmony Gold people for it because they did bring Macross to a larger audience in a way. But well, the did they time, or, or did they do it through their own waves of attack, you know? Yeah. So it's, it's not really I, I won't thank Harmony Gold for anything. Fuck them. I hate Harmony Gold so much. Like the, 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 the but, thing is, is like Robotech was so long ago. Like people don't even know about this anymore. Like just let it go. Yeah, yeah. yeah these guys feel like they can't make any money without this IP, so they're stuck to it with their stupid old senile ways. Um, uh, can't win everything. So yeah, um, that's uh, yeah. I don't know anything about the Mushoku Tensei one. If they're gonna, I don't think they really showed anything yet. They, just yeah, they showed that one trailer with the logo, and they're like, "What is the game?" They showed one what? trailer with the logo, and then there's another trailer like, "Here are character art that you already know what the characters look like if you're familiar." It's like, oh, okay, <laughs> that's uh that's a classic. I, I love when the trailers do that. Um, so yeah, I mean, that's that that covers it for news this week and the games we've been playing and uh, article features and all that sort of stuff. Um, I don't know what to expect from next week. I imagine we'll get Brian back, and I guess hopefully by that time I'll, I'll also be able to talk Phantom Liberty with him. Um, are there what are are there any new releases this uh, or uh, next week? I think the biggest releases next week are Silent Hope, which okay. the review embargo lifted. And I've seen some reviews for it. it. Seems like it's fine. Um, if you uh, that's like the action RPG in the Rune Factory kind of world. And you've talked yeah. about it when you uh, previewed it, but that comes out next week. We we have someone reviewing it; they're just not ready yet. Uh, Disgaea Seven is next week. Uh, right. Oh, I guess Front Mission is at the very end of next week. Front Mission Two Remake for Switch. Mm. So okay, that'll be interesting. I want to play these remakes on PC. I, the first the first remake is coming to PC eventually, right? I think it's, they announced it, it already. It already came out on PC. Oh right, <laughs> like this summer. I just no. haven't gotten a chance to play it yet. Oh, and uh, there's a Sword Art Online game coming out next week. There you go. You gonna play it? Nope. What? <laughs> thought... There's a demo. You can play the demo. I don't know. That's I. It. So yeah, that's next week. Next week we have Silent Hope, Disgaea Seven, Front Mission Two, Sword Art Online. Okay. I don't think um... we have anyone reviewing Sword Art Online. Just sorry, Sword Art Online, Sword Art Online fans. 
uh, we don't have anyone interested enough in the series to review it. This is like Josh a tradition for play, us. You did play. Look, I, I have uh, terrible experience the, reviewing the last one. games based on I, the anime. I, I I played a good chunk of the last one, but I was like, hey, don't, yeah. don't did you have friends that swear by this? I had I had friends that really got into it. Okay, and definitely one of them is going hard on the on this upcoming one too. God bless his soul. He never yeah. even watched or read it at all. He just he just liked the game, even though he's like it's kind of bad, but also kind of my shit. Probably it's better like, than right. uh, Dragon Quest Die. You know what? I I mean I can confirm almost, that the almost, last. I mean, almost yeah. certainly better than Dragon Quest Die. <laughs> yeah, the the SEO game the SEO game I played last time the the one before the upcoming one is better than Die. I can give you that. Yes, yeah. I tell you, man, don't play games based on an anime adaptation or something. It was go bad. They're not always. I'd have to think about it though, but they're not always. Um. Anyway, you can find us on RPGSite.net. You can find us on Twitter slash X slash whatever you want to call it these days at RPGSite. Um, you can find us on Facebook at Facebook.com slash RPGSiteNet. You can find us on YouTube, YouTube.com slash RPGSiteNet. You can find us on your favorite podcast app, whether that be iTunes or Spotify or whatever. Find us there. Uh, just look up TetraCast. And then you can uh, join our Discord via discord.com slash invite slash RPG site. Um, you know, it's always active. People are always there, always ready to chat. And, um, you know, it's, it's a busy time for people in games. So you see a lot of people uh, sharing what they're playing there. Uh, until then, you know, that, that's it for now. We'll have, I assume, the regular crew back next week. And see what everyone's going to be up to, and see if there's going to be any, any new surprises in the news out of nowhere uh, next week. Until then, you guys stay safe and have a great one. Peace out. <laughs>